0: I mean, yes, but one is to
1: expand. the Two is to have some provision for people's storage. And three is to establish some place for people's
0: storage. people for whom are these?
2: Good evening, everyone. We're going to go ahead and start the meeting. to welcome everyone to the February 28th, 2024 regular meeting of the Planning Commission. Um, Mr. Clerk, could you please call the roll?
3: Of course. Thank you, Chair. We will be taking roll call votes uh, today. (coughs) Commissioner Farley? Here. Commissioner McCarty? Here. Commissioner Abbey? Here. Commissioner Zucker? Here. Commissioner Comden? Here. Vice Chair Busa? Here. Here. Chair Lockerquist? Here. All present.
2: Thank you. Moving on to our public communications. This is the time we set aside for public communication for members of the public to address the Commission on items of Planning Commission business other than the scheduled agenda items. Mr. Clerk, do we have anyone tonight that would like to speak?
3: Thank you Chair. We have not received any public comments.
2: Great. Thank you. Uh, moving on to consent items. Our first Item of the evening is the approval of the January 24th, 2024 Planning Commission Meeting Minutes. Do any commissioners have any edits or comments on the minutes?
4: I I have a a question on the the last page of the minutes, page four. There's what might be an editorial comment rather than a comment that's meant to be in the minutes. It's highlighted in yellow. It says refer to the video of the meeting. So I'm not certain if that is meant to be in the minutes or what is meant to be there is some transcript of the meeting video.
2: Staff, does anyone have a comment on that?
5: Um, you know, I'm not certain what the original intention is, but clearly it shouldn't be there in that manner. So, um, you know, I think people understand where to reference the video. It's probably our own internal note. So if we could just strike that in the motion, it would be helpful. And if it remains, then people will know to look at the video. Okay. But sorry about that. Thank you. That's okay.
2: Any other comments?
6: I move to approve.
2: Great. To, with the strike of the video? Correct. Do I have a second? Second uh mr clerk could we call the roll
3: we have a motion and a second to pr- approve the minutes uh with the striking of that uh one comment commissioner farley
7: aye
3: mr mccarty yes mr abbey yes mr zucker aye mr comden aye vice chair Busa, yes chair lagerquist
2: yes thank you Okay, moving on to our next item, we have an informational item tonight. Uh, we have an update from the Housing Authority of the City of Buenaventura, Jeffrey Lamber, uh, CEO of the Housing Authority, will have a presentation about the organization and the upcoming Valentine Road project,
8: go ahead. Hi, good evening. Jeff Lambert, as you mentioned, CEO of the Housing Authority. This is my six-month anniversary in this gig, so I'm happy to be here tonight um, to give you an update on the Housing Authority. What I've learned in the six months is people go, Housing Authority? who are you and what do you do? So I've been trying to tell that story as often as I could, and I'm happy to come before the planning commission. Uh, I wanted to also congratulate your new community development director. Uh, I had my first meeting with Rachel a couple weeks ago, and it was a very positive, uh, constructive meeting. So thank you for that, congratulations. I also wanted to recognize Leona and her staff on the housing team. They've been a great partner for us um, all through this process including working on our project today to help support our tax credit uh, fund that's going forward to the state. So with that, I'll jump right into the presentation if I could. There it goes. Next slide, that's just who we are um so we've been around since um this is our 75th year this this fall um so we were formed by the city uh this is our mission i'm not going to read it to you but really it's really about expanding the opportunities for affordable housing but i like the fact that in our mission is partnerships because we can't provide services to our residents without partnerships and that's an important part of what we do and i'll talk about that a little bit more later next slide So this is our Board of Commissioners. We have seven commissioners. And what's nice about the the structure, this is required by HUD, so it's not just because we feel like it. Two of our members are actually residents of of our community. Our two two commissioners on the right, Katherine Simonson and Barbara Keller and their purpose on the on the board is really to make sure that our residents have a voice in the in the over oversight of the work that we do and they they're there happen to be terrific members very active uh, and and the work that we do we've been around a long time your city council appoints my bosses um, in fact they have two renewals to consider later this week um, so we are a public agency uh, we are the housing authority of the city of San Buenaventura your legal name the only Real connection between the city is the fact that the city created us. Um, uh, Otherwise, there's no oversight that the city council has over our day-to-day operations. We're a separate entity with our own board. Next slide. So we have really four purposes and things that we do at the Housing Authority. And the first is really uh, the public housing component. That's what we started to do in 1949 when we were formed. Uh, And I'll have some pictures in a minute of our Westview project, which is where we all started. Um, This is really, public housing is really traditional Federally funded for operations, construction, and management, um, completely reliant on the federal government for, for those um, federal uh, funded projects, the public housing. That's what you think of when you think of public housing agencies is that kind of traditional public housing. Uh, ours is on the avenue. We have a few other scattered sites around the city, but that's the core of what we do, and that's all about um, providing those kind of services to those units. Next slide. Um, So this is an example of of public housing. Uh, Really, the residents pay a percentage of their income. As their income goes up, they might pay more. Uh, We also provide services to help them sort of expand their ability to get out of public housing over time. Honestly, I don't know that that's been as robust a program as I would like it to be and something that we'll be focusing on going forward. Next slide. So this is um, really a great picture for me. This is our Westview Village, as you can see, 1949. This is what it used to look like a long time ago. Um, it looks a lot different today. I'll show you some pictures in the next slide. So this is what it looks like today. So Westview Village started off as 180 public housing units. Um, They'd it, been around a long time. And uh, over the years, the money coming from the federal government to maintain those units and keep them up to speed has been dwindling. And so our ability to maintain those units and keep them as a high-quality residential environment has struggled. Um, So we started the process several years ago um, uh, to convert them to what we call affordable housing. So they're not directly um, funded by HUD. Uh, uh, They have an investor portfolio. uh, But... the goal, once we complete the redevelopment of Westview, it will go from 180 units of public housing to 320 units of brand new affordable housing. And they're modern buildings. I, I happen to love the colors, um, they're, they're bright colors. They have what, what I love about it is we're nearly doubling the number of units on Westview campus over about 20 acres. But we're not just doubling the units, we're significantly increasing the public amenities. Uh, we created a new street that cuts kind of diagonally through the site called Village Way. and along that village way we have park space, barbecues, playgrounds, uh, a sports uh, uh, court, and all kinds of amenities. and the intent it's, it really becomes the heart of the new community so people have a place to gather and get to know each other across the campus. Next slide. SO I JUST LOVE PUTTING THE TWO TOGETHER, THE OLD AND THE NEW. Um, THIS IS WHAT ALL, all OF OUR STREETS LOOK LIKE um, for, FOR MANY, MANY YEARS. Uh, NEXT SLIDE. Um, the, sec- THE SECOND PART OF OUR, our WORK are, ARE HOUSING CHOICE VOUCHERS OR SECTION 8 VOUCHERS, WHICH IS WHAT MOST PEOPLE KNOW THEM BY. Um, these are THERE IS VARIOUS TYPES of, OF VOUCHERS BASED ON IF THEY'RE AN EMERGENCY VOUCHER OR YOUTH VOUCHERS THAT WE HAVE, BUT WE HAVE CLOSE TO 1,900 VOUCHERS uh, ACROSS THE CITY OF VENTURA. Um, Most of those vouchers are in, are assigned to buildings that we own and manage. They're called project-based vouchers, but we have a little over 700 vouchers that are in the private sector. And that means that that voucher holder, it's a tenant-based voucher, that person holds a voucher. They can take that voucher anywhere in the private sector they wanna go uh, in the city of Ventura. And they pay 30% of the rent and we pay the difference directly to the landlord, not to the tenant, but directly to the landlord. And as you can see, we, we, we spend almost $2 million um uh, monthly basis across the city to those landlords and that's a really important part of the work we do it it, it's it's a significant part of the work we do we don't have a lot of control over that we wish we had more vouchers to serve more members of the community but the vouchers are limited to what we get from the federal government we are allowed to to assign a percentage of those tenant based vouchers to individual properties so they're tied to properties so they become a ongoing operational Uh, REVENUE FOR US TO KEEP THOSE PROPERTIES uh, GOING ONCE THEY GET BUILT. NEXT SLIDE. Um, THE THIRD COMPONENT, AND THIS IS THE ONE THAT WE'VE BEEN MOST ACTIVE WITH AND THE ONE THAT YOU'VE ALL SEEN BECAUSE WE'VE COME BEFORE YOU WITH THESE PROJECTS OVER THE LAST TEN YEARS, WE'VE BECOME A DEVELOPER. Um, SO OVER THE LAST TEN YEARS, UNDER MY PREDECESSOR'S LEADERSHIP, WE WENT FROM A PURELY PUBLIC HOUSING AGENCY TO ONE THAT TRIED TO EXPAND THE OPPORTUNITIES FOR HOUSING uh, IN THE CITY OF VENTURA. WE NOW OWN and operate a little over 1,000 units. It'll be close to 1,100 by the end of the spring. And these units we own, we operate, we have our own internal management team, we have our own internal maintenance team, and we, we basically continue to operate these units to make sure that they continue to provide a high quality of life to our residents. Next slide. A couple examples, uh, On the on the right is the Westview Project, so you know what that looks like already. On the lower middle is uh, Willett Ranch, which is a senior project up on the avenue. But I will tell you, my favorite project is the one that, the picture needs to be improved, I have to say, but the arch is at the top. Uh, That's El Portal on the avenue. And not only is it an amazing example of housing, but how we got there is a story worth telling. Um, When I was at the city of Ventura as the community development director, this was our worst nightmare. This property was owned by Dario Pini, if you've heard the name he's a very notorious slum lord, largely in santa barbara but he has its foothold here in ventura and i think we, we 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 had up to i think 320 violations uh code violations while he owned that property we were constantly shutting it down kicking people out forcing him to put them in motels while he replaced leaky plumbing had infested an, uh, rats and bugs and you would you, anything you can imagine um, we were literally going to the, the city was going to court to get a judge to give us control of the property through what they call a receivership um, and and my predecessor Denise wise called me and said can you just pause that process for a moment uh, and allow the housing authority to try to buy it Um, And I guess we we put enough pressure on the property owner and the housing authority did buy it Uh, and it's now called El Portal. It's now 28 units. They're all mostly single units um, studios, some one and two bedrooms. Um, But you have people that lived in 90 square foot closets uh, with not working bathrooms down the hall who moved out temporarily and moved back into a brand new apartment in the same building. And it's really a a testament. I I talk to the police department often and this was a building they use for exercises. This is how they train their new recruits take them to the worst of the worst building and have them learn how to deal with the, the challenges this building had. Uh, it's now a, a, a really shining example. It's added a sense of uh, re- redevelopment to, to the west side, which people always talk to us about. It's right across from the Red Barn, if you don't know where it is. But also on the ground floor is uh, something called the Idea Center. It's a maker space. Um, and so we have a tenant down on the ground floor, we're about to double their space, and they actually, all these kids every day, if you go to the avenue, kids coming from Dan's Middle School to this maker space every day after school to make stuff. Um, And they have 3-D printers and all kinds of other machines. And um, In fact, I bought gifts this year for all my direct reports from a kid that works there every day. He was a great businessman, by the way. I I paid good money for what he made, but he made wood carvings uh, into planters and um, sold them to me. I I guess I was a sucker for that. But he's also one of our residents, so it was a really great story for us. So this is a property I'm particularly proud of. And if you just care about the numbers at the bottom of the slide, you see how much money these projects allowed us to reinvest in the city of Ventura. Um, So this is a big part of what we're doing and we're doing more development as we go forward. Next slide. So when we do development we're, we're really caring about the environment we, we try really hard to get the net zero projects we have low low flow um, uh, landscaping and really try to make our projects as, as environmentally sensitive as possible we even have um, landscaping that's edible um, I'm, I'm not allowed to say edible landscaping because people kind of don't know what that means but we actually have landscaping the hedges that actually have fruit on them um, so it, it makes it important for our residents. And we have community gardens and resident gardens on our properties to make sure our residents touch touch the environment. Next slide. Oops, next slide. Oh, okay. So this is also something that I'm really excited about. We, As I said at the beginning, we have partners. Um, so we have a whole community services partner a department and their job is to help bring people like the Boys and Girls Club and Salvation Army and Epic and lots of others, YMCA, into our communities to to serve our our residents. They serve our kids, they serve our elderly, and we have dozens and dozens of partners that come and spend time on our property. Um, And we spend a lot of time trying to build those partnerships, expand those services to our residents, and really give them an opportunity to grow and expand uh, uh, their their life trajectory and reach their goals uh, that they have for themselves. Next slide. Um, This is just a a, a snippet of some of those partners, Um, and you might see many that you recognize there, including the City of Ventura Police Department, and I have to say, they have been a fantastic partner for us. Um, They really want to connect with the kids, not just when there's an incident, when they show up with their guns drawn, they want to spend time on property just to let the kids know that the police department could be their friend, and maybe it's even a career path for them. So, um, but many partners, we do um, education on uh, literacy for financial literacy and and the like. so it's it's really a big part of what we do. We actually have a nonprofit um, called Cosina, and our, our nonprofit really helps bring some of those resources to our residents. We are in the process of revamping that nonprofit so we can bring more resources to the service, services that we provide. Next slide. Um, And and just, uh, I think you all know these numbers, this is not new to you, but just to to place our work in in the context of the kinds of uh, challenges people have in the city of Ventura to be able to afford to live here, rent here in particular. Um, We have, uh, right now we're housing people that joined our wait list in 2009. So, 15-year wait time to get on to get a unit. Um, I talked to some seniors the other day that lived with their kids for 12 years waiting to be on a list, and they finally moved into an apartment on the east side. So, there's a big demand, and if you if you ask, we have about 13,000 people on our waiting list total and they're not all citizens of Ventura because they're not required to be but in most cases we prioritize Ventura residents when we're actually housing people um and but we also have of those 13,000 on our waiting list across all of our portfolio 7,000 of them currently live in the city of Ventura so that's if you if you want to know what the need is for affordable housing in this community that's really the need we're talking about next slide um so THIS IS OUR BIGGEST, MOST EXCITING, SOMETIMES DAUNTING PROJECT THAT WE HAVE TO DATE. Um, SEVERAL YEARS AGO, OUR BOARD uh, MADE A COMMITMENT THAT FOR ALL NEW PROJECTS THAT WE BUILD, WE WOULD SET ASIDE SOME PORTION OF THOSE UNITS FOR THOSE THAT ARE CURRENTLY EXPERIENCING HOMELESSNESS. Um, SO WE always, ha- ALWAYS HAVE 10 OR 15 UNITS in PROJECTS THAT ARE SET ASIDE TO MAKE SURE THAT WE GET continued CARE, um, uh, uh, referred folks to, to live in our buildings, and it's been a, a big part of what we've tried to do to play, play our role to try to be part of the solution for homelessness in Ventura. Um, we decided, the, our board decided last year, before my time, I take no credit for it, but uh, now it's my responsibility, along with our development director, Karen Flock, who you know sitting somewhere in the audience, um, to deliver this to the community. Um, so, where we are. If you don't know Valentine Road, we we've, we've named it officially Valentine Road Apartments, which I know is really creative. Um, and we put a lot of focus group attention into that name, um, but we um, we wanted to. I think part of us wanted to say it's been a hotel for a long time. Let's make it sure it's clear to people it's no longer a hotel. So let's put apartment in the name. Uh, we had lots of creative names that we picked that we didn't pick, and we picked this one instead. So it's the La Quinta Hotel on Victoria, right behind Salzer's. Um, it will, OUR NEIGHBOR WILL BE A, a CANNABIS a RETAIL LOCATION WHEN THEY OPEN THAT, that SPOT. Um, it, SO we, are, WE HAVE BEEN IN escrow FOR MANY YEARS, EXCUSE ME, MANY MONTHS. WE get, GOT AWARDED HOME KEY FUNDS LAST OCTOBER, uh, ABOUT $32 MILLION IN HOME KEY FUNDS, SPECIFICALLY TARGETED FOR US TO CONVERT THE MOTEL INTO PERMANENT SUPPORTIVE HOUSING. I know when I was on the agenda for the city council there was a mistake on the agenda that got cor- corrected very quickly because it was called temporary housing and I want to be really clear that this is permanent supportive housing 134 units so I think you can go to the next slide too. Um, yeah so it is it, it, our, our goal is, we, we. I just literally signed the agreement with the state t- uh, yesterday to make that money real. We're hoping to have the money transferred to us in the next week or two. We're hoping to close escrow by um, March 15th. Um, we are a- on the verge of being submitted to the city for uh, renovations. We're adding kitchenettes, removing the pool, um, adding other amenities, perimeter fencing, lighting, cameras, uh, basketball court, garden, a vegetable garden, and other amenities. We're converting several, several of the rooms to staffs, uh, staff facilities, um, and we're, we're very much uh, moving this forward. Uh, we have a very tight timeline. Our, our expectation from our funders is that we start occupying the summer and complete the occupancy by the end of the calendar year, so we have a lot of work to do. Uh, all of the folks coming to this property will come as a referral through the Continuum of Care, uh, the COC. Uh, they, this entire building is dedicated to those that are either c- currently experiencing homelessness or at risk of homelessness. So we think this is the, the biggest, PLAY WE CAN HAVE FROM THE HOUSING authority's PERSPECTIVE TO HAVE AN IMPACT ON HOMELESSNESS IN THE CITY OF VENTURA. Uh, IT'S A DAUNTING TASK. THERE ARE DAYS WHEN SOME OF THE HOUSING AUTHORITY STAFF wonder WHY WE'RE DOING THIS. Um, BUT I THINK that IN THE END WE'RE VERY PROUD THAT WE'LL BE ABLE TO DELIVER THIS TO THE COMMUNITY uh, THIS YEAR. Um, uh, we um, I'VE CONVINCED KAREN THAT WE HAVE TO PAINT THE BUILDING SO IT NO LONGER LOOKS LIKE LA QUINTA. Um, and SO THAT WILL BE PART OF THE PROJECT AS WELL. Um, JUST SO YOU KNOW, BECAUSE OF THE HOME KEY FUNDING, uh, we're, WE'RE EXEMPT FROM DISCRETIONARY APPROVAL SO YOU WON'T SEE THIS PROJECT. Um, IT GOES DIRECTLY TO BUILDING AND SAFETY FOR PERMITS. Um, AND WE'VE HAD LOTS OF CONVERSATIONS WITH, with RACHEL AND our, YOUR BUILDING OFFICIAL AND WE'RE CONFIDENT WE'LL BE ABLE TO MOVE THIS FORWARD AND MOVE PEOPLE INTO THIS UNIT. Um, uh, ABOUT 40 OF THE UNITS ARE PAID FOR BY the, the, THE Ventura COUNTY BEHAVIORAL HEALTH. AND THEY'RE PROVIDING TWO BEHAVIORAL HEALTH SOCIAL WORKERS TO SUPPORT THOSE 40 UNITS. WE ARE HIRING NINE PEOPLE AT THE HOUSING AUTHORITY. In an agency that's 75 people, nine's a big jump. Um, Four of those will be property management related and four of them will be case management related. Um, uh, We just closed the recruitment for the two leads in those roles uh, on Friday and so we're hopeful um, we'll have some great people to lead this property going forward. Uh, Next slide. And I I mentioned the, the, the number of folks that will be serving there. And, uh, and this is a, a project that will take a lot of our effort. It's really a game changer for the way that we manage properties because these 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 residents will need a lot more care and attention uh, than we're used to. So we're, we're that's why we're staffing up to be able to do that. Next slide, I think is. A COUPLE MORE JUST TO SHOW uh, HOW WE'RE CONVERTING OFFICES. SO there'll be all, ALL OF OUR STAFF WILL HAVE OFFICES. WE'LL BE ON SITE, INCLUDING this, the, THE BEHAVIORAL HEALTH STAFF, SO THEY CAN BE RIGHT THERE ON SITE um, DURING THE DAY. AND uh, WE'LL BE LOOKING AT ALMOST SEVEN-DAY COVERAGE GOING FORWARD. Uh, NEXT SLIDE. Um, AND THIS IS WHAT THE ROOMS WILL LOOK LIKE. THIS IS an, NOT A BIG SURPRISE TO YOU WHAT A HOTEL ROOM LOOKS LIKE. Uh, WE ARE ADDING um, THE kitchenettes THAT WILL MAKE IT a REALLY A STUDIO APARTMENT uh, GOING FORWARD. NEXT SLIDE. And I think it's always important to talk about what we call the capital stack, so you can see where the money comes from. Uh, There's a a lot of money involved. You see it totals over $70 million. So um, cities, graciously awarding us 3 million dollars we're very appreciative of that that's an important part of the mix the county's a total of of 10.5 million dollars so our local partners are really engaged in this and i i remember back in the fall when we got the award we couldn't talk about the award until the governor announced it that's the way these things work and so we but we we turned to the city cuz i don't have a public information officer to do the press release AND I KNOW WHEN IT WENT OUT, SOME PEOPLE, on EVEN OUR STAFF, SAID IT LOOKED LIKE THE CITY BOUGHT THE BUILDING, um, AND MY RESPONSE WAS, THAT'S OKAY, BECAUSE WE WANT OUR, our PARTNERS TO BE FULL INTO THIS, this uh, AND COMMITTED TO THIS PROJECT, WHICH THEY ARE. Um, AND SO WE'RE REALLY EXCITED TO DELIVER THIS PROJECT TO YOU, AND uh, HOPEFULLY YOU'LL SEE THAT IMPACT ON THE COMMUNITY REALLY SOON. Um, AND NEXT SLIDE. Um, Uh, And I mentioned the partners, it's worth highlighting them again, and and there's lots of individual departments at the county in particular and the city that we work with uh, to make sure this happens. And then last slide, I think. Just a picture of me. Um, So thank you all for the time to present, Um, and between Karen and I, we're happy to answer any questions you might have. And if you don't have any questions, that's okay too. (laughs)
2: Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate the presentation. Um, does any commissioners have some questions?
4: I have a, I have a question. Thanks, Jeff. That was uh, excellent presentation, and it's tremendous the amount of work you've done, uh, you and your team. It's uh, really impressive to see. So nice job. One one question about the Valentine Road apartments. You said uh, expect to be fully occupied by the end of the calendar year. Yeah. Now and then, um, have have the actual residents? Been identified yet, or or you're, you'll, they'll be chosen from a pool you you have on hand? Or
8: good question. I, I, we, they all come through the continuum of care through the C O C. But we we expect, for instance, you have a bunch of residents living in Room Key on Thompson. Um, that will be likely many of those residents, particularly those that that have roots in Ventura, will be our, some of our first residents. Um, they'll come in uh, directly. We end up in individual leases with every, every, every tenant, so uh, we'll go through that vetting process to make sure they, they qualify. Uh, and they'll pay what they can pay uh, based on their revenue sources. Uh, but that's, that's probably the first batch. Behavioral Health has a list of their folks that meet their funding requirement, and then the COC will be looking at other, others that are on their list. They're, built, they're developing those, those, those lists right now, and we'll start look at looking at vetting them in the spring.
4: Good. Thank
6: you. Sure.
2: Other questions?
8: Uh, Jeff, kudos to you
6: and, and everyone at the authority. Uh, it's, it's very impressive. So uh, by the end of the year, you're going to have 1,100 units, housing over 2,000 people. Yeah. Um, what percentage of those are uh, seniors?
8: That's a good question. I don't know that we... A lot. <laughs> it's, a lot. A lot. it's a lot. Yeah, I, I was... well more than half, I think, are seniors. Yeah, well more than half of our units are seniors. Yeah, I ask Uh that
6: because seniors are uh, experiencing homelessness uh, at an ever-increasing pace, and it's a real issue.
8: I, I will say, ironically, uh, I don't mean to speak out of turn, but we're we're about to open a 50-unit project as part of our Westview. The fa- it's phase two, but it's the third phase we built. Don't ask me why, um, and it's opening at the end of this month, the end of March, uh, and it's been planned as a senior project for the last 10 years. Uh, it was approved by HUD as a senior project originally. You all approved it as a senior project, and at the last minute, literally November of last year, HUD uh, de- denied our senior preference. Um, So uh, it will no longer be a senior project, although we hope it will still house mostly seniors because they're mostly one-bedroom apartments. Um, But it's ironic that, as you say, that's a big need, but the senior preference that we planned for years is no longer present for that building. Mm -hmm. Um, But we hope to continue to house a lot of seniors.
6: For some comparison purposes, can you tell us of other cities? Are, Are we ahead of the curve in doing this in our community here compared to other cities?
8: I would say where where the head of the curve is in the conversion of our public housing. We were one of the early adopters of the the Fed created the federal government created the process to convert public housing to sort of investor housing, which is what we do. Now uh, tax credit investor housing, and we we were one of the early adopters across the country to do that. Mm-hmm. In fact, we're now a member of the large housing authority organization, even though we're no longer we're, we're nowhere near a large housing organization because we were an early adopter. Um, many housing authorities have caught up. We have we still have a couple hundred hu- former f- excuse me, formerly public housing units to convert, um, uh, and those will hopefully happen over the next several years. I, I would say from from there we're we're definitely a, a leader. Um, um, AND I THINK WE'RE ALSO BEGINNING TO LOOK AT OTHER OPPORTUNITIES, LIKE THE SCHOOL DISTRICT SURPLUS PROPERTY, um, the, THAT THE SCHOOL DISTRICT HAS SURPLUS PROPERTY. IT'S A GREAT OPPORTUNITY. THERE'S NEW STATE LAW THAT ENCOURAGES SCHOOL DISTRICTS TO WORK WITH HOUSING AUTHORITIES TO BUILD HOUSING DEDICATED TO PUBLIC EMPLOYEES ON THOSE SITES. Um, SO WE'LL BE LOOKING AT OTHER OPPORTUNITIES. WE'RE not, we're NOWHERE NEAR DONE. WE HAVE 7,000 MORE UNITS TO BUILD IN THE CITY. Of THAT
6: WAS MY NEXT QUESTION. Yeah. AFTER 75 YEARS, YOU'VE GOT 1,100 units um, next 10 years anticipated
8: growth oh uh, another thousand maybe who knows i mean we we didn't do a lot of additions over the first 50 years of that 75 years and we pretty much sat with our public housing and we we started adding capacity over the last 10 years uh, and we've added you know hundreds of units in that time frame and i'm I'm sure we're going to continue our board has been very clear that. We have a responsibility to add capacity, and we will continue to do that. We had the pleasure of having um, our, our U.S. Congressman Cobra Hall, and then we had uh, Assembly Member Bennett and Senator um, Limone at the site. And over the last couple weeks, and I know they are looking at what can, what more can we do from a federal and state perspective to get more funds into 100% affordable projects. Doing inclusionary is important; it's part of the mix. But it's if we can get more 100% affordable projects built and managed by housing authorities, you know they'll be there for forever, Right, and that's what we're trying to do.
6: So my last question, unfortunately, is kind of a tough one. Um, $71 million divided by 134 units is a little over half a million dollars per unit of something that already exists. So can you give us some insight as to how, how expensive it is to yeah. build things?
8: HALF THAT PRICE WAS PURCHASE OF THE PROPERTY. YES, IT'S BUILT, BUT WE PAID FOR THAT COST, THAT IT WAS A BUILT PROPERTY. SO WE DIDN'T REALLY GET A DISCOUNT BECAUSE IT WAS EMPTY PROPERTY. WE HAD TO PAY FOR AN EXISTING GOING, going BUSINESS. Uh, I MEAN, I THINK DURING COVID, THE HOTEL DECIDED THAT THIS WAS A BETTER OPTION FOR THEM FROM A BUSINESS PERSPECTIVE, BUT WE'RE BUYING A BUILDING THAT'S FULLY OPERATIONAL AND IN PRETTY GOOD SHAPE. Yeah. Um, SO THAT'S REALLY A BIG PART OF IT. Uh, AND I WILL TELL YOU, IT'S COMPLICATED TO build, TURN A HOTEL INTO apartments adding kitchens and ventilation we're learning is more and more complicated um and that's part of it and and we also want to make sure that those not only are we So some of the money in that budget is not for capital costs, but it's to build in a long-term funding source so that we have sustainable operating costs. So we we have to commit to the state that we can operate this thing, not just for a couple years, but for the life of the tax credits, which is 15 years. And so some of the funding that's in that plan is going to our long-term sustainable operation expenses.
6: Makes perfect sense. Well, thank you again, and, and good luck in the future. We really need you, and we're glad you guys are on the job. Thank you.
9: And uh, thank you again, Jeff. Uh, thank you for the presentation and the information and, sure. and to what your organization is doing uh, for our community. Um, I had questions on the continuation of funding, so thank you for covering that. But uh, you mentioned early in your presentation uh, an opportunity in terms of the transition out of homelessness and uh, programs related to that. Could you expand a little bit more on where you see that happening with your organization um, and kind of uh, piggybacking on the question of, you know, um, where we are at in comparison to other communities in that regard, so yeah. seeing that we are a leader in this in this um, model and approach of, of housing conversion, but how are we in terms of the transition out of homelessness?
8: yeah i think i, I think i was answered this way uh, I, I mean part of it getting people into permanent supportive housing is the very first step i mean obviously transitional temporary housing is is a really first step but getting people into permanent housing with wraparound services is really critical i think what we're what we're learning is there are there are two federally funded uh programs that are called self-sufficiency programs different for different population groups um, and when I first got to the Housing Authority, I was like, "Well, we have programs. We have federal money. We, we're helping people become self-sufficient and get off public public um, support." We haven't we haven't graduated more than the, the people on my fingers on my hand uh, out of uh, public housing or supported housing through those programs because it's hard. Um, and, and and the way those programs work is if you if you join our self-sufficiency program for a five-year program, you set goals for yourself, whether it's education, better job we help you get there uh, with all kinds of services. At the end of that five-year period, your, your income has gone up during that five-year period. You're able to, we, and we don't charge you more rent, which we otherwise would. We take that what you would have paid a new extra rent and we squirrel it away in an escrow account. And so when you graduate, you've completed the program, you've met your goals, the money's yours. Um, and we've, it's usually in the 15 to 20,000 range per person. So obviously you're not gonna change lives with that. We've had one person end up with 70,000 at the end of that. We've had a couple people buy a home, but they've left the state to do that. Um, but we've had some success. My hope is that we can do a lot more to expand the programs like that, get a lot more of our residents in those programs. And when we get to the fourth phase of Westview, Westview Village, the fourth, fa- fourth phase was designed for for sale. Um, so it's 34, right? 34 for sale units in the design, um, and uh, we have we are committed to try to deliver that fourth phase. That's a for sale product. My hope is that we, we have some of our rock star self self sufficiency residents really CHURN up the notch in their in their planning. So by the time that project comes to fruition, somebody's moving from Westview One to Westview Four, and they're moving from renting to owning. Um, And that's a a tall order. Um, And we haven't quite figured out how to fund a for sale product yet. Um, But we're working on it. Other agencies have had success. And there are some programs we're exploring. And we hope that we can get there. Um, And then we might look for other opportunities to give people a way to get out of of, of public housing and subsidized housing and back into the real world. I think the, the challenges if they if they're, they've reached an income where they no longer need to have subsidized housing, it's scary to leave a world that you've had that wraparound services for years. And so how can we give them support for a year after they've launched so that they, they have some confidence that they can leave public housing and be in a place where they're actually going to succeed? I think that's the, the trick, and I, I, I can do a lot. I'm not sure I can change HUD in my lifetime, but I'm certainly going to try.
10: <laughs> sure
2: anyone
10: else go ahead thanks so much chef uh, a great presentation I'm just you know really really proud of the the work of our, our housing authority in our community I mean, I think we have one of the best around and um, yeah when I'm on the west side I'm just really inspired seeing the you know um, seeing Westview under construction seeing the El Portal property um, and yeah um, really excited about the Ventura Unified uh, you know potential there. I, I'm really, really hope that we can make that happen. I'm, I'm curious too if the, if the city might have any surplus properties that, you know, could have similar types of partnerships. Yeah. Um, a, a few questions. One, uh, was, uh, related to the El Portal property. Do you, do you see the Housing Authority doing more kind of acquisition, uh, you know, of, of kind of existing private, um, you know, apartment complexes like that in the future?
8: I, I i think that what i the story i heard is that when my predecessor denise had the idea of buying Portel, she got a lot of concerns by her whole team and she had to sort of push through to make that happen uh, but we had such success and had such a huge impact not only in those residents but the neighborhood around there i think we have we can definitely do that again i mean actually valentine road is another version of that but if there are other apartment buildings we have a project that will come before you Um, I think it will come before you. I'm not sure. It might be just design review committee on Santa Clara, uh, which is an existing building that we own. It's 28 units, but the building itself is sort of failing. It's still safe, but it's not going to last a long time. So we have a project in the city now to convert that to 41 units of new housing. Um, Unfortunately, we're demolishing it and building new um, uh, because reinvesting in the building that's there doesn't make sense. But I would love to look for opportunities to buy an existing building and convert it like we did with El Portal.
10: Great. Yeah, we'd love, love to see that. Um, I'm curious about uh, also kind of immigration status and how that plays into eligibility for your properties. Um, you know, mixed status families, things like that.
8: Yeah, I'm not sure. You want to jump in, Karen? I don't, I don't. I don't. I won't give you a good answer, and Karen can give you a better one. So.
10: Yeah. Obviously, a lot of the the you know most housing insecure folks in our communities are yeah folks who might be undocumented or you know.
7: So. Federal programs often have limitations on immigration status. So for example, um, with Section 8, it can only benefit the folks who have citizenship or legal residence. But we have mixed families where um, the the assistance is prorated um, between the folks who do and the folks who don't. If we don't have federal subsidy, if there isn't federal subsidy in a project, there isn't that limitation. Most of the housing we've done, we are using project-based Section 8, so that does apply, but um, it wouldn't if we weren't using Section 8.
10: Great, thank you. Um, My last question is just a really big picture one. Um, You know, what is, and it may be hard to to kind of nail down, right? A a lot of different barriers that you face. What is the biggest thing you need, um, you know, what biggest thing the city could help with? For example, you know, you know, is it revenue? Is it is it zoning? Is it permitting? You know, what's, what's the biggest challenge you face, biggest biggest need that could help you do your job better?
8: I'll, I'll look right at Rachel why well, I'm say this. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I think, I don't think the city could do a whole lot more than they're doing. They've been a great partner for us, both, both funding us um, and also being a partner as we go through entitlement process. I think that's really critical. Uh, I mean, sometimes affordable housing is not popular. Um, so being able to sort of stick with us as we go through the approval process. Uh, I know that when Westview started, I was still at the city, and it, was, it started badly. It was a really bumpy start. Um, the, the Housing Authority hired an architect that didn't know how to talk to the public, um, and it didn't go well. Uh, but they, they pivoted and brought in a new team and, and really listened to the community. Um, One of the things that's great about when we do a project like Westview is the residents are are a deep part of the process, Um, and we we have to, by law, engage them, but we don't just check a box that we met with them. They're really part of the process, and many of our residents that lived in Westview have come back to live in, in the new Westview. Um, and it's uh, it's been really nice to see that, that they how their lives have trans- been transformed into new brand new housing. Um, so I, I think that's part of it. I think the city's doing a lot right now to set new policies for housing in place. And I think you're obviously going to talk about that on a, on the homelessness front way, later tonight. Um, so that's important as well. You have a you have an adopted housing element that has a lot a lot of to do's for Leona and her staff to do um, maybe. You know, having the resources to make sure that we you know, deliver on those promises of that housing element will be important, um, and we clearly want to be a partner to do that. Um, I think that's where, what I would suggest. I mean, we have a long way to go. I'm I, I, learning in the six months I've been here, I knew this theoretically, but I'm learning it now how complicated affordable housing funding is. Um, that I'm told a stack of Funding sources we have for Valentine Road is really little compared to sometimes you have 20 funding sources. Each funding source has a, their own set of attorneys and legal advisors and protocols, and that bureaucracy of all those funding sources makes it really hard. We're also coming out of a, several years of the state being really flush with money for affordable housing, um, and that's that's going to end. So I, I think if the city is I think the city is considering a bond measure to create a local funding source for affordable housing. I think that's a great solution. We are definitely a supporter of of, of that bond measure uh, to make sure that um, actually countywide, not just a citywide bond measure, but having a local source of funding for affordable housing is really critical because we just don't have that now. We're, we're, we're hat in hand to every agency we can go to to get money, but if we had a local source that could become sort of a, a, a leveraged source of funding to get other funding, we'd be in much better shape. I know when we go look for funding, if we have local funding in our, in our pockets, it makes us much more competitive. So having a local source here locally will be really critical to us.
2: Anyone else? Uh, thank you so much. Really appreciate you. your time. Um, I actually had two quick oh, questions. Sure. One, my first one's easy, which is: Are all of the units in, on the Valentine Road project going to get kitchenettes, or just some? H.M.I.S.
8: What did you say? Oh, kitchenettes. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. It, over time, we're doing them in phases. Oh, okay. Um, but we we have to we, those that are required to have kitchenettes because our our Section Eight vouchers require kitchenettes. So in order to use those vouchers, they have to have them, um, and but our goal is to have them all be re- readily available with kitchenettes. Uh, it depends on the funding sources that we have available.
2: Okay, and my second question—I I don't think your second question was answered regarding kind of kind of how the, we stand compared to other areas. The second. Part of my yeah, um, with with bringing people out of homelessness and, and whether you even have that data.
8: I would. I mean. Uh, having been here in the city for ten years, um, working on homelessness, it was always always one of those things where the city of Ventura and the city of Oxnard were the only cities in the county doing real work to a- end homelessness in their communities, and the, the rest of the cities in the county weren't quite there yet. Um, over the last several years, other cities have really taken taken a big st- step forward. Santa Paula, Thousand Oaks and other cities are saying we have to do our part. That's a huge shift for this county. Um, I think Ventura and Oxnard clearly have always been sort of ahead of the game, frankly, because the problem's harder here. Uh, mo- m- most of the population is in our two cities, and so the issues are, are harder here. And and Ventura is blessed with two natural rivers, uh, which are a great place for folks to sort of be on their own and outside of the, the public eye, um, so I think it's been harder, but I think the city's done a good job. I, I know we, the, the shelter, when I was at the city, getting a shelter built was, was a monumental task, um, but having a permanent year-round shelter was a big step forward. Um, and so there's, there's lots of pieces coming together, I think. So right now, it seems like the city's doing it, much of what it can do. I know Judy's here will say there's more to do, and she's not wrong, um, and you'll hear from her, I'm sure, tonight. But, but I think the city has made some great steps forward. There's just more to do. Uh, our role in the mix is to be a place for those folks can live permanently once they're they're on the path out of homelessness.
2: Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Are we ready to move on? All right. Um, so we're going to go ahead and move into our first formal item of the night, which is Project 23-0472 Ventura County Homelessness Plan. Um, I don't, do I need to ask, are there any members of the Planning Commission who have ex parte? Yes. Yes, please. Uh, Ex parte communications to report or need to recuse themselves? No? Seeing no? Great. Okay. Can we please have staff's presentation, I believe this will be Leona.
11: Good evening, Chair and Commissioners. My name is Leona Rollins. I'm the Housing Services Manager for the city. I am joined here tonight with my management analyst, Rachel West, and we'll be discussing and presenting on the Ventura County Homelessness Plan. So in terms of our current state of homelessness, according to the 2023 point of time count, there is an estimated 644 individuals experiencing homelessness in our community, which is actually a 10% reduction um, for the previous year. So out of our estimated 644 individuals, 452 of those individuals are experiencing unsheltered homelessness, meaning that they're living in places not meant for human habitation. So in Ventura County, there's approximately 2,441 individuals experiencing sheltered and unsheltered homelessness. And one thing that we wanted to share was that most individuals' families experiencing homelessness in the county are from the cities and communities within our county. And one of the leading causes of homelessness is the lack of affordable and available housing for, for individuals and families of lower socioeconomic statuses. So we have gone through a process um, in order to, um, when we hired the consultant of Lazar development consultants, um, we released two RFPs um, in October and November of 2022. Um, and it gives you a time of the actual events we received the proposals, how we selected the consultant, when it went to the Board of Supervisors for approval in January 2023, and then we entered into a Memorandum of Understanding in February. We received our initial draft of this plan in June of last year, and a final draft was prepared for us, uh, which is what you were able to see with the attachments this evening. So the SAR development consultants, um, in order to analyze and obtain qualitative and quantitative data, they did a number of different tasks. They they held focus groups, they had interviews with key leadership. Uh, with our city leadership and non-governmental officials. They they conducted site visits and surveys. They also monitored data trends um, through our Homeless Management Information System. So essentially, the Homeless Management Information System is a system that the county utilizes countywide that tracks the different services and resources of people experiencing sheltered and unsheltered homelessness. They reviewed our previous data of the point-in-time count and they also analyzed our system performance measures in terms of what we're we offering those who are sheltered versus unsheltered, whether that was like an emergency shelter, interim sheltering, where, do we have access to access centers, the coordinated entry system, outreach services. And they also did an evaluation of our current permanent housing stock. So one of the things they wanted us to focus on is housing prioritization and funding, and they, what they identify as a one framework meaning that for every one emergency or interim shelter bed that we have in our city, we need to be developing a minimum of four permanent housing units, while subsequently providing 10 individuals or families with homeless prevention funding. That is the only means that we're actually gonna see the number of individuals experiencing homelessness starts to decrease, while not having individuals also enter into homelessness simultaneously. And for regional coordination and leadership, the city, as um, Jeff Lambert mentioned, the city is very lucky to have a number of different partners within the county, neighboring jurisdictions, as well as the housing authority in our fights to address and combat homelessness. And you know, of course, one our major partners is the county of Ventura. We work very closely with the Human Services Agency, the continuum care, the city of Oxnard, Thousand Oaks, and of course, the housing authority. So we also need to focus on outreach and service delivery. One thing that was identified is CalAIM dollars. So CalAIM dollars essentially provides two levels of support to individuals and families experiencing homelessness. They offer enhanced care management, so they need access to physical care, behavioral health care, substance abuse issues. Those services are available to them. And they also offer a lot of community support that we can dive into in terms of like housing navigation services, assisted with um, housing retention. Um, helping with the security deposits and other financial means to ensure that people are remaining housed and not falling into homelessness. They also talked about multidisciplinary homeless street outreach teams. Um, the city has partnered with the Ventura County Homeless Services Agency to provide street outreach since 2019, and the city council recently approved a contract extension to assure that individuals and families experiencing unsheltered homelessness have access to resources and services. So basically, when you think about street outreach, is that you know, it either is a phone call from our return Police Department's um, patrol task force, or a member of the community can either call my number or send me an email and say, you know, Leona, I see an encampment forming in my neighborhood. Can, what's going on? Can you guys send out services and resources? We connect with our social worker. We connect with PTF. And they're able to you know, go out to those individuals, experiencing homelessness, offer them resources, services, to ensure that we are putting them on the path towards permanent housing. Um, and some data-driven decision-making that we want to focus on for future investments are funding additional homeless prevention funding. We did receive a grant from the continuum of care, it's the the Homeless Housing Assistance and Prevention Grant, which we were awarded $640,000 to start a two-year pilot program to provide rental assistance, rental arrears, to help those remain in um, housing. We also need to continue to support future investments in permanent supportive housing units. Some of the short-term interventions can include Things like rapid rehousing, meaning that once a family enters the homelessness within the first 30 to 60 days, we're able to rapidly rehouse them with different services and financial support, street outreach services, and also making sure that we're tracking our outcomes. Um, through the Homeless Management Information System. And also, Ventura County is working on a dashboard where we'll be able to go online, anyone in the community who accesses access this dashboard, where they can track the number of individuals counting homelessness, those getting resources, those moving into permanent housing, so on and so forth. And it's also being very transparent. It's essential that we display and share outcomes of city-funded programs with the community at large, um, to ensure that they know where their dollars are being spent to, to truly address this major issue. So a part of the community engagement process, we did release a survey uh, for both community members and business owners in our community. We released that survey on December 11th of last year and it closed January 19th of this year. And some of the main things that we were able to evaluate from the survey is that people in the community have said that we need to have more shelter options, we need more permanent supportive housing units, we need preventative programs, rapid rehousing and street outreach. Major concerns about homelessness, of course, is the general well-being and safety of those experiencing homelessness. There has been increases in crime. You know, there's loitering and damage to public and private spaces. And unfortunately, people are having to use public spaces for habitation. And they also know that the larger population of homelessness, which we were aware of, is like in the college area, downtown, midtown, Montavo, and of course on the west side. When we conducted the business survey, businesses said they reported that 80% of those survey indicated that their business had been impacted by homelessness. So what they recommended is expansion of resources and services, increasing affordable housing, offering behavioral health services, shelter options, homeless prevention service, and of course, substance abuse services. And the issue that they have felt um, related to homelessness included things like harassment, lewd behavior, sleepy or trespassing on their business premises, theft and vandalism. So our recommendation for tonight is that the Planning Commission um, recommends that City Council adopts the Ventura County Homelessness Plan, uh, as it is a part of our sixth um, cycle of our housing element, and this is another program that we can show the state that we have implemented to abide by our certification of the housing element. And I'm available for any questions.
2: Thank you so much, Leona, that was was a, Uh, mouthful in a very short (laughs) amount of time. (laughs) Um, So I'm more than happy to let the commissioner start the conversation. Go ahead.
6: Okay. Uh, Thank you for the presentation and the work that you're doing. I noticed that the homeless count went down year over year. Yes. Um, A point in time is only as good as the people you happen to find.
11: Exactly, yes.
6: But uh, it's that let's assume that that's reasonably accurate, that it hasn't exploded uh, further, mm-hmm. um, why is Ventura bucking the trend where homelessness, uh, experiencing homelessness is growing in most municipalities? What's going on here in your opinion? So
11: I think that we've been very fortunate in some regards because mm-hmm. one, when I started working for the city in 2022, those point of time count numbers showed that there was a significant increase in veterans experiencing homelessness. And with a number of different, with the VA becoming coming here and the number of housing services that they're providing, we saw a significant decrease and the number of veterans experiencing homelessness will lead to the downward trend. We've also have seen a lot of people get connected to various housing opportunities outside of the city of Ventura. There's a lot of different developers, like people self-housing, Cabrillo. Um, Also, um, you know, many matches that have developed, you know, different affordable housing options um, throughout the county. So people have been utilizing that as a resource. So they've been transitioning out of homelessness into permanent housing.
6: Yeah. Um, Well, that's good. Uh, Those are solutions. Is there any number you can put on? I, I have heard that some communities are experimenting by building housing for those experiencing homelessness because it's less expensive to provide them with a residence than to provide them with services while they're out on the streets. Is there a number that can be ascribed on, on average how much it costs the city to help people when they become ill, etc., etc., etc.?
11: So, it's hard to actually pinpoint a number, but I can confirm that a lot of times when a person is experiencing homelessness, they utilize a lot of city and county services. That includes, they have emergency service calls to the police department, fire department, they're utilizing our, our emergency rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of costs associated with that. And then also too, when we have them placed into shelter. You know, having shelter in place and having a number of wraparound services available, that is a very costly thing. Some, some have reported like a minimum of $100 to $250 per day for each individual you have in shelter. So as a, as a long-term investment, it makes more sense to build more affordable housing, more permanent supportive housing options to have them placed into permanent housing while we offer them wraparound services to ensure that they're addressing their underlying barriers and challenges.
6: Mm-hmm. My last question is, are you seeing any changes in trends of who is experiencing homelessness now?
11: Definitely. So when we did the point in time count for this year a couple weeks ago, when we were out there surveying individuals experiencing homelessness, we noticed a significant increase in the number of seniors. Um, seniors were reporting to us that they you know, basically have been priced out of their units. You know, their, their social security, their retirement, their pension is very limited, it's capped, but their rate has continued to go up. And you know, at, right now, a one bedroom is averaging about twenty hundred dollars a month in the city of Ventura, so they have no, no place to go. And it also is some barriers for seniors trying to get them placed into shelter, because you know, we have a congregate shelter, meaning it's like it's dormitory style. So we have like lower bunks and top bunks, and sometimes people with, who are of senior age they have physical disabilities and limitations, so they're unable to access the top bunks. So we need, you know, we need more additional shelter options to accommodate those with those types of disabilities and barriers. Yeah.
6: Thank
10: you for your answers, Leona.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Commissioner Zucker.
10: Thank you, and thanks for that excellent presentation, Leona. Uh, uh, yeah. Really happy to see that our that our numbers are going down a little bit. That's a really encouraging encouraging trend, and um, yeah, the great work that went into this plan as well as the the survey. And um, uh, one one thing I was curious about is um, in in our staff report and you know in the the survey there was some um, some information about uh, tenant protections, and um, so uh, uh, yeah, obviously the one one big piece of addressing homelessness is to get folks out of homelessness into housing, right, and another is to prevent folks from entering homelessness, and that's a big place where tenant protections comes into play. Um, Curious kind of what what you feel like you learned in terms of uh, tenant protections from the survey, um, where kind of the public is at, and and what might be kind of the next steps on that from the city's perspective.
11: Yeah, so in terms of tenant protection, I believe that the survey was very eye-opening. I think that by people in our community realizing the the tactics that the city of Oxnard has done, the city of Ojai has done by acting rent stabilization has been a really great assistance, and I think people are recognizing that that's something they would like implemented here. Another thing that I think people are interested in is like, you know, when you're being displaced for no fault of your own, that, you know, they offer some type of, you know, relocation assistance to ensure that they're able to still transition to a property that they can afford within a state community that they love and that they work and they live. Um, So it was very eye-opening to see that the public is open to talking about restabilization, they're open to talking about relocation assistance, ensuring that people are living in habitable Um, Because, like I said, you're living in a hospital unit that you can afford, you know, the likelihood that you're having to move goes significantly down, and the likelihood you enter into homelessness also goes significantly down.
10: Thank you so much. Mm
12: -hmm. Go ahead. Thank you for the presentation. Uh, The report is great, and I really appreciate the fact that the county and the larger cities are coming together. Um, Is there a reason why the smaller cities weren't part of this larger program?
11: Yes, so initially what happened was in the the early fall of 2022, um, the county of the, the Victoria County did reach out to all of the cities and they gave us the opportunity to opt in. Some cities, I think, at the time, didn't recognize the effects of how much their homelessness um, population was increasing. So they didn't opt to to basically participate in this initiative, but they knew that they would still get some statistics and facts based on the entire county plan. But I think for the city of Oxnard, the city of Thousand Oaks, and us, of course, it's just showing that it's just our commitment. We're committed to addressing and combating homelessness in our respective communities, um, and that we're willing to take whatever steps and whatever recommendations that are set forth for us to accomplish that goal.
12: I appreciate that. Having worked in some communities that are smaller or in nearby counties where you hear of people getting bused to other communities, I think it's important to realize this impacts us and it's Mm -hmm. our community, it's our neighbors, and it's our friends and family, so I really appreciate that. Um, I participated in the count earlier a couple of weeks ago. Yes. Uh, When will the 2024 numbers come out?
11: Yes, so we have received confirmation from the Ventura County Containment of Care that the 2024 points time count numbers, the preliminary numbers will be available in mid to late March. And then the official report should be available um, in late April so we'll be be, we'll be bringing that back to both the Planning Commission and Council once the numbers are available
9: great thank you thank you
2: any other commissioners
9: Uh, yes Uh, thank you for the presentation Leona and congratulations on the grant uh, received I think that's a that's a huge effort could you expand a little bit more I I assume that that's part of the that's the homeless prevention diversion program funding could you expand a little bit on that and Yes, of
11: course so um, like as, as I mentioned earlier, we were very fortunate to receive a, the Homeless Housing and Assistance Prevention Grant. That is a grant that is given to us through the Ventura County Continuum of Care. They basically apply for state funding that is then allocated back to the county. And through that program, we'll be able to assist up to 100 households, providing them up to $4,000 in rental assistance. Um, Our program, there's a number of different ways that you can be eligible for the program. Um, One of the simplest qualifications is that your your AMI is under 80%, you're facing homelessness within 14 days, and you're a resident of the city of Ventura. Um, Other eligibility requirements that we're helping those that are transitional age youth through this particular grant, because we were earmarked for $96,000 of our funding to go to transitional age youth between the ages of 18 to 24. And also those that are fleeing like dating violence, harassment, stalking are also eligible for this grant as well.
2: Other questions, comments? Um, I have just a couple. Um, the handout that was sent to us, the Cal AIM handout, was yes. from 2021 and it was read as if, you know, hey, this is here and this could be adopted. So I was a little confused whether the city of Ventura has already adopted it or is that part of this homelessness plan?
11: That is part of the whole actual homelessness plan to adopt the Cal AIM initiatives. Um, because, like I said, it does allow for the city to work with the county to apply for this additional funding through Cal AIM. There's been a lot of discussion about Cal AIM dollars, as well as like you know funding through behavioral health services. Also, you know information is coming down about the pipeline about Prop One. So it's all encompassing. They're just saying be able to utilize this as an additional funding source to bring in revenue to support our efforts.
2: Um, and then I was a little confused on the homeless prevention and diversion program. Is that part of the homelessness plan as well? Or is there something already in place?
11: That is something that's already in place. Okay. We actually um, launched that program on Valentine's Day and we're already referring individuals and families to that particular program.
2: Okay, awesome, thank you. Um, and then quick question for staff. Um, there was a mention that the, they are reevaluating incentives for ADUs and they'll be bringing it to city council. Does that come to the planning commission first? Answer
11: that. <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> okay, so and so we have selected a vendor. So what's gonna happen with that is that the first component of the agreement will go to city council only, but when it comes to the actual ADU designs, that will be coming to Planning Commission and then to City Council for adoption. Okay. Yes. Thank you.
2: And then my last question is kind of a theoretical one. Um, a couple of the survey results I thought were a little disconcerting. One was 25% said they would not support additional affordable housing. And the other one was the business owner survey talking about um, one of their uh, points that they cared about the most was enforcing more stringent laws against homelessness. And without going into what exactly those mean, I just was curious as how the city is looking at that and addressing those concerns, those community concerns.
11: Yes. So yeah, it is a little disappointing to hear that you know, some individuals in our community are not in support of additional affordable housing. But we know based on our housing element, based on our arena numbers, housing has to be built. We need to make sure that we have a sustainable community, a sustainable economy. And only by doing that is by allowing people to work and live in the community that they love. And everyone loves Ventura, of course. Um, but when it comes to enforcement of stronger stringent laws, you know, I really can't go into depth about what they projected that to be. But I think we're very fortunate as a city to have a patrol task force that you know has a direct experience, our own like, basically boots on the ground, Able to go out to these individuals facing homelessness, provide them with services, resources, recommendations, because I think that's the, that's the best way, because um, that's why we are strong proponents of the housing first model. You know, getting people into housing, giving them the services that they need to ensure that they're going to be successful in the long term.
2: So I guess I was kind of getting at is to whether you know I mean I think oftentimes just education to those that don't understand and you know and there's really no comment to me, made, but whether there's any sort of outreach to um, you know, the citizens of Ventura that are more privileged and you know, and how can, you know, whether that's a way to address that concern as well.
11: Yes, I think so. I think outreach and education is essential. I think because one of the couple, we're working on a couple of different initiatives. One of the initiatives is putting together like a homelessness fact sheet it talks about the different, you know, the different statistics. And, you know, what it really means to be homeless. Because a lot of times there's a misconception that those are homeless are only, you know, having substance abuse issues or just mental health issues. But we 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 survey families living in RVS. We spoke to seniors that have been priced out. We have spoke to transitional age youth who said, you yeah, know, I'm going to college right now not having to live in my car because I can't afford housing. So everyone has a different story. Homelessness is such a multifaceted issue. And it's going to take collaboration and a number of different approaches to really combat it.
2: Thank you. Any other comments or questions at this time? OK, um, so um, I think. I think I need to open it up for the public hearing. Is that correct? (laughs) Mr. Clerk, do we have any public speakers tonight for this agenda item?
3: Thank you, Chair Logquist. We do have four speakers on this item. Uh, Our first speaker is John Jones, followed by Karen Flock.
13: Good evening, commissioners. Uh, On behalf of the Ventura Social Services Task Force Faith-Based Committee, I would like to strongly recommend that we do more in regard to our winter warming shelter. Both the um, lived experience feedback in the uh, staff report and the uh, community survey reflects this need. Um, I would certainly encourage going to um, dropping it to 45 degrees instead of uh, 40, and a quarter of an inch of rain instead of half an inch of rain. You know, I, I will say in regard to the temperature, my um, workday starts at 5.30, so I get up at 5. 5.20, I'm getting my Starbucks addiction fixed. 5.25, I'm back home. And there's a number of many, you know, days when I say, it is so cold out here. You know, I, I send up a prayer that I have a housing, a warm house I can go into. But for our, our unhoused brothers and sisters, we uh, certainly need to do more, and the faith-based community isn't reaching out to... Uh, Uh, asking more of the river community who has done a spectacular job but we would certainly work with the uh, city in engaging more people in the faith-based community to step up and also allow us to uh, double the capacity for the uh, winter warming shelter as well thank you
2: thank you mr. Jones
3: our next speaker is Karen flock followed by Julie Alexandre
7: So, good evening Planning Commissioners. My name is Karen Flock. I'm the Real Estate Development Director with the Housing Authority of the City of San Buenaventura. And um, we support the plan and urge you to recommend its approval. Um, We, as Jeff Lambert talked about earlier, we really appreciate the support we've gotten from the city to make possible the Valentine Road Project, permanent supportive housing. Um, I wanted to talk a bit about funding for this type of housing. Um, That's one of the things mentioned in the report, and that's kind of what a lot of what I do. Um, And um, so we're optimistic, for example, that Proposition 1 will pass, that will provide additional funding for both capital and operating expenses uh, for housing for the homeless. But also, as Jeff mentioned, um, local funding is important, and I'm part of a group. We're part of a group, the Ventura County Housing Coalition, that's looking at a county-wide housing bond that would help to leverage this funding. So um, hopefully you'll be hearing more about that. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Flock.
3: Our next speaker is Judy Alexandre, followed by Trevor Gottsman.
0: Hi, good evening. I'm Judy Alexander, and I chair the Ventura Social Service Task Force, which is a network of individuals and agencies and groups all working together to address the needs of the unhoused in our community, and it's a privilege to chair that group. We fully support the staff recommendation. What we also want are some additions. One is we want an additional $120,000 to double the availability of beds, motel rooms, and pay for staffing for the winter shelter next year while we work towards establishing a better solution that becomes available to an increasing number of those that are unhoused. The second thing that we want, in addition to the full support, is that as we consider the emergency shelter beds, which is huge, and Mercy House is doing a great job, however, it's a dormitory style, and bunk beds. The fastest growing population of those that are unhoused that I see every week as a volunteer at One Stop are seniors and those with disabilities. The seniors have always been housed and now at 70 and 80 years old because of a lack of any tenant protections, because of a lack of any limitations on how much rent can go up, we have seniors whose incomes have remained the same because it's fixed, while landlords have increased that 22%. The result is we now have seniors who have been housed their entire lives on the street. They don't have the skills. They don't know how to survive. It adds to their quick demise, and we need to do better. So we need to address And somehow adding that need of how do we take care of the increasing number of seniors? What are all the programs that we need to work together for those that are our seniors and those that are disabled? They cannot go on top bunks, so the waiting list is longer. We also know that storage is a huge problem. People don't like seeing people walking along the street with all their bags. They can't go get a job that way. We need to do something to address the needs of storage and to increase what we do in the winter. So with those two additions, we fully support and back staff and Leona and her team have been wonderful to work with. It's been a privilege, thank you. Thank you, Ms. Alexander.
3: Uh, our next speaker is Trevor Gottsman. Trevor, you should be able to unmute yourself.
14: Good evening, council, committee, and city staff. I'm Trevor Gottsman. I'm here on west side on Franklin Lane. And this is a very important issue, if not the most important. We all need a roof over our heads in some way, and we all live in the same community. Um, and education, as you said, it, it comes to the key, is key. We need to have a way to connect and keep connected and um, house how we can. I've got several people who would be on the street that are housed here. They're unable to provide any form of support to me um, other than, you know, it's like the wild creatures that come around and sniff around and you deal with them and account for as best you can for what you've got Uh, but i feel i've got resources here that the house was bought for the kids it wasn't bought for me it was bought for the family and i keep reminding everybody we're all family and the people that are staying here one has stayed here for many years his children went to school with my children and he was a normal tenant for um, up until several years ago and um, and you know he's too proud in some ways to even come and discuss homelessness, but he'll just sort of take advantage of my kindness. So I would like to, from all both ends, you know, from those that need and those that house, uh, we all need to come together and share those resources as best we can. I've worked with Karen many, many, many years ago and brought in a young man and his daughter. Um, while I was working at the time, and I came home and my house was completely taken over. And that, unfortunately, it stopped the relationship, but Judy Alexander and Karen Flock are both exceptional proponents of this. And I would like uh, both of you, um, this is an open public offer, to get hold of me, and let's work together as best as we can. I've got enough energy to provide enough, um, living examples of how uh, we can sort this thing out with very little, you know, just in the most efficient way, as most of the people on the streets know how to live efficiently. And you speak of storage that's critically important, because people have possessions that they hang on to and they will protect with their life. And so we need that type of thing. And we need to just know each other and know each other better and know how to keep everything in better order. so that's what I'm asking, and I think I thank staff and everybody who's involved and the community and to get more involved and to use the community and have a volunteer community core that is does the dirty work. So much appreciated and have a good night, everybody.
3: And that concludes our speakers.
2: Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Um, okay, so I'll go ahead and close the public hearing. Planning Commissioners, I wanted, let's, Um, before we get into any deliberation let's go back and see if there's any further questions or comments to staff
6: yeah I I have uh, two questions Uh, mr. Jones um, had made a suggestion about opening the shelter at 45 degrees as opposed to 40 degrees and at a quarter inch of rain rather than a half inch of rain do we have any idea how many more days that would require of the shelter being open
11: Yes, so uh, for last season, we had those requirements. We was 45 degrees and below, or half an inch of rain, I mean, yeah, uh, half an inch of rain or more. We activated for a total of about 25 times for about 49 nights. Uh, We did serve a significant number of individuals through those activations, but we had limited um, funding available through last season. So there had to be some additional funding allocated out of the general fund. Um, So this year we are utilizing um, a portion of our CDBG allocation and some additional carryover funds from last year That's the reason why we had limited capacity to reduce those requirements this season But that is being evaluated for next season,
6: right? Um, I'm gonna ask my other question and then we'll uh, deliberate at at a certain point Um, Ms. Alexander asked for a doubling of the availability of beds in the warming shelter, which she Proposed was $120,000. What is the capacity of the shelter right now?
11: So the foul weather shelter program has a capacity where we reserve 20 motel rooms at a local motel, mm-hmm. um, in the community. So right now, so with Miss Alexander's recommendation, we will double that to 40 rooms
6: and how many people does that accommodate Are families included in- yes so
11: we serve everyone um commissioner we serve individuals we serve couples we serve families we take pets um we basically you know meet our meet these community members where they're at and we serve those anyone that's seeking shelter and those that are unable to get shelter are provided with stay warm packs to make it a little bit more easier for them to um, deal with incoming weather. Um, but through this program, it's important to note that we also prioritize individuals that are over the age of 65, as well as prioritizing those with chronic um, health or medical conditions. Okay.
2: All right, thank you. Com- Commissioner Zucker.
10: Uh, I have a question just about process. I know <clears throat> this is, uh, it, it's like the county's plan, but also, you know, but also we have kind of the city as, as part of it. and. Um, if we wanted to recommend some adjustments to the plan, um, reflecting maybe some of the, re- the requests from from folks from Ventura Social Services Task Force, um, how would that that work procedurally? You know, this that would just be kind of amending our plan. Obviously, the county's plan would would stay the county, and then that would be our the Planning Commission's recommendation to City Council. Obviously, City Council has their budget is gonna make their mm-hmm. their budgetary decisions but we can make recommendations to them of any of any tweaks is that is that right or can you repeat
5: the question please
10: <laughs> i guess uh... my question is procedurally if we wanted to make uh... suggested uh... changes maybe reflecting some of the the things that public comment speakers made how how would that work that is that our recommendation to the council to adjust the Ventura City portion of the county's plan or um, how's that?
5: So I would recommend sticking to the Ventura portion in terms of your comments that being said you can make whatever recommendations you see fit to the council as a recommending body you'll make a recommendation today that will move forward to the council and yes you could add um, additional amendments to the document that are recommended and then council will take that into consideration Leona, can you speak a little bit to what happens if we change it on our end as it relates to the county has already adopted it kind of wholesale? Do they do we go back to them regardless to check in and say, okay, now we've adopted it or in this case, we've adopted it and with some changes?
11: Yes, so um, the Board of Supervisors for the county has adopted the plan as is, however, we are able to make additional recommendations, additions to the plan. It, It won't actually be in the body of the plan, but it can serve more as an attachment so that we can be implementing different things that benefits our community as a whole that may not benefit Thousand Oaks or Oxnard or the county, yes.
5: And to add to that, perhaps it may be most effective to, rather than changing what's in there, to be additive, to say, okay, in addition, I understand that it could be changes to what's in there, but perhaps it's written in a way that's additive so that it is that additional sheet that gets added in. Yes. Um, and then, again, it'll be, um, we'll present that to Council as you've adopted it.
2: Yes. I want to ask, before I move, I'm sorry, I want to ask a follow-up question on that. Um, so. I, I guess I'm a little, I mean, it feels like procedurally, how would a recommendation like that be typically handled if we didn't didn't have the homelessness plan in front of us? I mean, is there a different path to deal with, you know, requesting, you know, a doubling of beds or whatever that is? I'm just trying to understand the difference between this homelessness plan and then a really specific recommendation like that.
11: Yes, so essentially, I would view the Ventura County Homelessness Plan as a guide, as a first step. Um, I feel as though that the most important takeaway is that there's additional recommendations or additional initiatives that should be included in this plan. I think those those additives should be added. Um, This is is laying the groundwork for us. Because in the past, we only were very dependent on whatever plan Ventura County adopted as a whole. But this does have specific guidelines for the city of Ventura. And, like I said, if you want to take into consideration different additions, I, we would gladly repre- you know present that recommendation to council for their ultimate adoption and approval.
2: Okay, thank you. That's helpful. Okay, other comments, questions? Go ahead, Commissioner Abbey.
15: Thank you, Chair Largequist. Leona, um, regarding the winter, winter warming shelters, it was good to hear that we're helping people out, but how many people are we turning away on average?
11: so typically on so it kind of depends on the actual weather so in typical situations if we activate and it's just going to be a cold night we don't get that many interested individuals but when there's when it's been raining through the day or there's a lot of projected rainfall overnight we do get a substantial number of individuals and typically we only turn away maybe five to ten people but it really just depends on the particular night and how many people are seeking services
15: okay uh, let's see um, I don't recall reading anything about ten- tenant protections in this plan. Does is, is this plan um, take into account tenant protections? Is that an area that this covers? Did the county adopt anything regarding tenant protections?
11: So the county as of yet has not adopted anything regarding tenant protections. The only two jurisdictions that have done so is the city of Ojai and the city of Oxnard but um, for city council goals for fiscal year twenty four twenty five, tenant protections is a city council goal so the housing services team is evaluated tenant protections as we speak
15: okay thank you
11: mm-hmm.
9: I was just gonna circle back to the like, the recommendations that have been coming through to me from a procedural percent and this might be a city attorney question these these sound like policy considerations that would need to come forward that would require potentially you know budgeting approval and like is that when we talk about you know we can make an addition to this but if like absent this being in front of us the county's homelessness plan like wouldn't if we wanted to say hey we want to double the number of beds or um we want to change the cold weather that's a city policy that we've established so it would require a city policy consideration am i correct by that like by by council member. so if we had a concern with it as a commissioner we could uh, communicate with our city council to say hey this is what we're hearing, we need a policy consideration and we could partner up with, is that?
5: Yeah, I mean, that's definitely one way to do it where it comes from you up and then the council member brings it top down. It's also something that we can, um, you know, I think... If you um, make that suggestion let's say this evening as part of this and it goes to council and they adopt that let's say you know double the number of beds in in five years or something like that that they would be able to kind of adopt that policy as part of this adoption of the homelessness plan so it could help skip that step Mm -hmm. and then it would direct staff to then start Mm -hmm. directing resources towards expanding upon that policy thank you
2: so I have a follow-up question with that though I mean that's that's going to be the The issue, though, is redirecting resources, right? And so, how is that determined, and and would there be any visibility on how those resources are redirected? Um, (laughs) I'm Just go ahead.
11: (laughs) Yeah, so um, in the upcoming budget, we are requesting uh, allocation of another $60,000. Um, out of measure o funding if it is recommended to council that they double the number of beds and change the activation requirements we'll be asking for an adjustment to that budget to accommodate that additional need
2: okay thank you any other questions to staff I'm seeing none and would anyone like to start a deliberation or even propose a motion
6: I'll come back to the two comments I made before, uh, the requests for the, the shelter to open at 45 degrees. I don't know if, if we remember what it's like to be outside for an hour in 45 degree weather or less, but that sounds very reasonable to me. Again, I don't know the economics of that. That's the way it used to be, Leona?
11: Yes, so um, mm-hmm. the foul Weather Shelter Program has actually been running for the last almost four years. Yeah. Um, the, two, the first two years, the activation requirements were uh, 40 degrees and below and a quarter inch of rain or more. We did take this matter to Hope and Solutions after I started working for the city. And they, added, they adjusted the t- uh, temperature requirements to 45 degrees and below and uh, um, qu- uh, half an inch of rain or more um and so basically we did it for a year we had some funny difficulties I will admit but that's the reason why right now it's at 40 degrees and below and a half inch of rain or more but like I said if there's a policy consideration to adjust that we will make the necessary adjustments
6: right okay thank you so um, I, I think that's a reasonable suggestion that we might pass on to council to see if and I know funding everywhere in, in every circumstance is tight but um, we're talking about people's lives, and again, I want to come back to the um, the cost of servicing people that run into severe health problems because of being out in the elements and taking them you know, to the hospital and housing them there, et cetera, et cetera. That seems, sounds reasonable to me. And then exploring the doubling of the motel rooms, uh, as Ms. Alexander had suggested for the winter warming shelter. Um, she put a, a number of $120,000 on that. Um, maybe that's too much of an ask for us to do in one fell swoop, but some consideration to increase that uh, winter warming shelter motel room acquisition, I think is reasonable. Those
10: are my comments.
2: Thank you, Commissioner Comden. Commissioner Zucker?
10: Um, I'd, I'd agree with uh, Commissioner Comden um, around potentially making those suggestions to to City Council. Um, I, I agree that they seem reasonable. If anything, we're we're kind of saying we don't want cuts to what you know level of services we've even offered in the in the very recent past. Um, you know, certainly it's it's uh, it's an additional cost that the city council is going to have to weigh. And I think you know it's it's their you know it's their uh, prerogative to look at the whole budget, what's there, what can you know we as as planning commission don't do that, but I think we can certainly make the recommendation that we think you know, this is, this is important, and they'll, they'll do with, it, with that what they will. Um, you know, it, it's, it's interesting having this on the same agenda as the, the capital improvement plan, where we're looking at millions and millions and millions of dollars of, <laughs> of capital expenses. You know, um, obviously those things can't be compared. You know, it's a little bit apples to oranges, but um, it certainly reminds you that in the, in the grand scope of all the investments that we make in our community and all the, the places that, that public dollars go, you know, one hundred twenty thousand dollars for for something is is kind of budget dust, uh, you know, in the, in the in the grand scheme of you know city and county budgets. And so, um, yeah, I would I would support um, at least making a recommendation to council around those two um, recommendations from from VSSTF. Um, I'd also be interested in, in maybe putting in some language recommending adding um, uh, tenant protections as as kind of a you know city priority um, for a homelessness plan. I know, um, as you mentioned, Leona, the 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 City Council is already talking about it as a uh, potential priority for this year, but I think that just adds a little bit of extra oomph to, to you know say that we as the Planning Commission see this as directly connected to the issue of homelessness, which we know is one of the most important issues in our city. Um, and so maybe it's symbolic, but but I'd love to throw that in there if we can, if other commissioners would agree with that.
2: Thank you, Commissioner Zucker. Commissioner McCarty?
4: Um, <clears throat> So as noted in the current homelessness plan, there's been an uptick in homelessness of nearly 25% since 2018. Back in January of 2022, this commission considered the housing element at the time, a part of which was the 10-year homelessness plan. And at that time, two years ago, we were 15 years into our 10 year plan to end homelessness and the numbers were going up and they've gone up since 2018. What I suggested at the time was one of the issues was they had seven main priorities in the housing element and the homeless plan at that time. And none of the seven main priorities addressed the number one priority that should have been on the list and it should have said, end homelessness as a goal. I suggested at the time that there needed to be specific time-bound targets for decreasing the number of homeless in the city on a year-over-year basis. That recommendation fell on deaf ears. So now let's jump forward to today. So now we're looking at the homelessness plan as part of the housing element and there are five action areas in the plan. Um, None of the stated action areas make any mention of reducing the number of homeless in the community. So again, the primary goal of the whole plan is not even explicitly stated in the plan to end homelessness. So I see a set of good guidelines, but I'm, I'm really, once again, disappointed that the plan does not go far enough. So I'm happy that there is some discussion of adding specifics to the plan, because once again, that is going to be my recommendation. Right now, all the action items and goals listed in the plan um, verge on Number one, not being measurable, and they're certainly not time bound. There are no specific time targets for any of the goals other than the overall vague goal of this is a five year plan. So what's included in the whole plan right now are things that we're going to try and hit within the next five years, but with no specific step by step time-bound strategy to get there. Um, So again, a good guideline, but I'm disappointed that, in my opinion, the the plan really doesn't have any teeth to it. It doesn't go far enough. We need to make the goals time-bound. My suggestions as additions to this plan are number one, state explicitly the goal of a homelessness plan. That is, end homelessness. I'd like to see, I'd like to see that in the plan somewhere. Um, within the current plan, there are next steps for each of, the action, each of the action items, but none of them are time-bound. We need to set a date for each of those steps in the plan. And I would also like to see a year over year goal to decrease the point in time count by a certain set number or by a certain percentage. Um, I'm afraid with the lack of specificity in the current plan that If if we don't set more specific goals, our progress over the next five years is going to simply mirror the lack of progress over the past 17 years. Uh, So what my recommendation is, as I just mentioned, put put more specifics in it. Set a goal to end homelessness make each of the next steps in the current plan time-bound, set a date by which they will be accomplished, and also set yearly goals by which we will reduce our point in time count of homeless, either by a percentage or or a certain number.
2: Thank you, Commissioner McCarty. Uh, Commissioner Farley?
12: I was thinking on what he was saying right now. I I wanted to echo the different recommendations staff was making. Um, I I hesitate to have us kind of go backwards with any of our um, services that we provide especially in cold weather because there's folks out there that struggle on a daily basis when it's 60 degrees out and when it gets colder it gets harder. Um, I do think that ADA and accessibility should be mandatory in any of our housing facilities. So when I hear that there are folks that can't get up onto a shelter bed and they're turned away. Um, that's discouraging to me because there's folks of all ages and all capacities that should be able to be provided a bed and shouldn't be turned away so i think it's a priority that in those facilities we be able to provide those things um, in any way possible Um, i also agree with what you were mentioning that maybe as a city we need to create our own priority list and maybe as a county it's more vague and it's general because it's a general policy Um, but it would be great to have measurable goals the housing element is very specific and has those measurable goals Um, So maybe those could be kind of vetted out and pulled out separately. Um, I also would like to suggest that we focus on tenant protections as one of the first things that we focus on as a city. Um, I've housed people in my house who've been kicked out of their housing situations and had I not had a room for them, they'd be on the streets because they called the county and the city and the lists are five, 10, 15 years long. So um, it's something that gets to my heart. So I really think that we need to focus on that. Um, whether it's now through this plan or through another action that the City Council brings forward, I think it's really important. Um, but I echo that with you, Scott, um, as well as keeping these things as a priority. We need to count these things and show that we're making movements
14: forward. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Uh, any other comments, Commissioner, Vice-Chair? you have any comments? Okay. Um, Yeah, I, I, I would agree with all the commissioner, um, all the commissioner's comments. Um, I think it's fine to have an overall plan that the county has developed, um, and then I like the fact that the the city has a specific plan. But I would agree. I think most plans operate better if they have goals and and time constraints on them, or at least reporting constraints and how these things are going and. Um, so, you know, maybe the commission wants to put our heads together pretty quick and make a list, kind of as an attachment to the house, the homelessness plan, as a recommendation to city council. Um, that would include the um, inclement weather, um, the you know, looking at increasing winter warming the beds in a winter warming shelter. The, definitely, tenant protections. I, I actually would. Like to put that one at the top of the list, if everyone would agree to that. Um, and then, you know, at, as far as setting goals, you know, does should the planning commission, you know, in further deliberation, try to figure out what those goals are, or just kick it back to city and let them come up with some recommendations that we could send forward? And how do you guys want to do that? Um, and then, and then the last one was I think the ADA accessible, making that mandatory. So those were all the items I had. How would you guys like to? move forward with that. I think everybody's on the same page of trying to make some recommendations. Commissioner Abbey. Um,
15: I'll just weigh in. Uh, First of all, I want to thank the staff and everyone, the housing advocates, Karen Flock, Judy Alexander, tireless, have been at this for years. And uh, this is a good plan. It's a good start. And so I think my... uh, Uh, recommendation would be that we approve it and then as uh, several commissioners have already suggested that we make suggestions to the City Council to consider XYZ look further into certain things so I'll just be repeating but let's see winter warming shelter temperatures doubling beds so uh, Commissioner Comden Uh, Chair Lagerquist, others have already mentioned that. Uh, Let's see. I would agree with uh, Commissioner McCarty uh, to the extent that obviously the goal should be to end homelessness and so that uh, suggestion would be to have city council consider adding that as a goal in the city plan. Um, As far as time-bound strategies, um, I'll leave it up to uh, the city council working with Leona Rollins, our housing services manager, and others on staff to create uh, some time-bound goals. I don't think that we can, as a city, Uh, as a planning commissioner, I don't feel well versed enough to be able to micromanage that. And so I think uh, we need to say city council, consider these things, look into them. We don't make that decision. We're not gonna make that decision. We're not going to make the decisions regarding funding. But we can suggest, look into adding additional funding for uh, doubling beds, inclement weather, and so forth. Um, I, don't know what the tenant protections would look like, but I certainly would uh, agree that uh, city needs to look closely, and it sounds like they are, are already as a goal, but just as an, as Commissioner uh, Zucker mentioned, maybe we put a little exclamation point on that, and some other commissioners have said that as well. Uh, so yeah, get the protect- tenant protections See if that's something that can be accomplished in the year 2024. Um, and uh, I, oh, and then uh, Commissioner Farley mentioned the concerns regarding ADA accessibility and seniors being able to have uh, facilities that can accommodate them. Um, if no one objects, I would like to uh, put that in the form of a motion.
4: I object. Um, I don't believe it would be prudent to articulate our stance as let's send it to city council for them to consider more specific goals. I think the proper path would be for Ms. Rollins and her team to take a look at each of these specific action items in the current plan and they, as the experts, come up with dates by which each of those could be met and that be presented uh, as, a, as a specific plan to city council for their consideration and approval. Um, I think that's what I ha- all I have to say for right now.
2: So uh, sorry it's so a question to staff or if, if the, the homelessness plan is going in front of city council soon so I'm not sure that iteration could be accomplished what are our options as far as um, you know kicking it back to staff to allow them time to you know develop goals that could be presented to city council.
5: Do you want to speak to that, Leona?
11: Uh, yes so we were initially planning to take it to city council at the end of March however if it is the commission's recommendation that we evaluate and put a specific time frame of so when each priority can be met within the actual homelessness plan we could take over we could take like the next month month and a half to do that evaluation and then present it to council at a later date
9: I was just going, in, in terms of the goal, um, I, I agree with uh, fellow commissioners and that I would entrust in, in, in our, our, our staff to come up with those. I guess my only um, comment to that is create the framework. I would just ask for a smart framework, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, time-bound. And if you follow a framework around a smart goals, then I think we can a, a, a achieve, you know, making those uh, uh, inroads to end our homelessness, which is our goal, indeed. So, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, time-bound would be a framework I would recommend. Uh,
2: see what the rest of the commission feels about that. I, I would be on board with that as long as we don't hold up the approval of the, of the homelessness plan too, too far. I don't wanna be a, a roadblock for that.
12: Could I mention, if this is going through budget time, that's also a consideration, is if they need to ask for more money, we need to make sure this plan gets to them in a way that they can consider that so it doesn't get kicked down to next year or mid-year budget adjustment. I'd prefer that they do this all now so that they can get moving. Because having the timeline, I think, is great, but it could be something presented at a later time to put those things into concrete um, documents. As far as the goals of this, they've got a lot of things to work on, and I would hesitate to, hold them up for something that they could do at a later date separately.
5: So one, I just to jump in, one way that you could do that as well is that um, we can talk about some of the changes or additional goals as kind of a supplemental document to this that gets, we can go check in with council, give them their, your recommendation so that they, they can then further co-sign that and send staff off to do that additional development. Um, and this way they can still make a decision on this base document or at least get the information, get it in front of them, and then they can always say, you know what, we want to see this all in one piece, or let's adopt this with the understanding that we do X, Y, and Z next.
4: And that's what my concern is. If we do it that way, I fear it won't get done.
6: Well, if I could make a recommendation that um, the two items that that I brought forth are the the costs are somewhat known and can be actionable items if they were to stick with the march date but uh to your concern why don't we set a deadline our request for staff to come back to council by april 10th or date to be determined with this list for their consideration
4: any chance they could come back to the planning commission prior to city council
5: Uh, we certainly could to have you review it. Um, it again which would just add to the process but yeah that's certainly an option you can include that in your motion or should you not make a motion we'll come back to you
10: excuse me we could ask staff I mean even just to to add dates kind of like we have in the housing element all of those things say you know by end of 2024 right I mean if we were to if staff was to go through and add dates to each of these action areas, I mean, how long would that take to do? Do you, do you think you could get it done in a, a couple of weeks before bringing it to Council?
11: I believe that we will be able to get it done in a couple of weeks before we bring it to Council. Um, one other thing that we can also do is, in terms of making sure that we're making progressive steps towards addressing and combating homelessness, so essentially in homelessness in our community, is that we could also do like an annual progress report. Um, we're reporting on like the point in time count numbers, different programs and initiatives. So yeah, we could bring forth that as well. Yes.
10: Right. Um, I have to agree a little bit with, with Commissioner McCarty that um, kind of asking council to then send something to, to staff and then, you know, have it eventually come back. It, you know, it could be long a long delay and maybe we set a deadline, but I know, you know, our staff's always short-staffed, and it's easy for those things to get lost. And I, um, I feel like it wouldn't be too hard to to add some some dates and priorities, you know, into into this existing document. And by the time this this reaches council, and um, that's maybe what I would recommend. I think I I would want to see a motion that that looks something like, you know, adding an addendum of recommendations to this county plan for for our city, which includes. Adopting stronger tenant protections by end of 2024, um, the winter warming shelter uh, being open at at 45 degrees and a a quarter inch of rain, the doubling of winter warming shelter beds, uh, and something language like, you know, uh, adopting a a schedule of when each of these action areas will be achieved based on staff recommendation or, or something like that that direct staff to to get it done by the time this goes to Council.
6: So I I agree with you. The the question um, Commissioner McCarty asked was should it come back to this body? And I would say, um, given our instruction to come forward um, to Council with these deadlines, um, I don't want to be a a hitch in the giddy up here. Uh, And we can always make comments as individuals, as members of the public, based upon what is presented but that first step is critical. And then we can, you know, communicate to council however we choose to, um, that's too long, it's too short. What's the, what's the Goldilocks timeframe here? But something is going to be much better than what we have now, which is no deadlines.
2: So what I'm hearing is uh, proposing to go ahead and make those recommendations, get them in, give them a little more time before it goes to city council and then send the whole shebang to city council for, for their approval that what I'm hearing? I would agree with that approach. It's probably the most um, efficient.
4: I will make a motion to uh, do exactly what uh, Commissioner Zucker just articulated, except that it come back to the Planning Commission prior to City Council.
2: All right, so I don't think what is the next step? A substitute motion, if na- needed, or what? How does the commission feel about that?
6: Well, is that a friendly amendment to Commissioner Zucker's recommendation?
10: I guess I never formally made a motion, so I think that's the first motion on the table. Right. I I don't know if it has a second. Um, uh, not, I don't uh, so. If if not, you know, I'd I'd be happy to to offer another motion, which which would be yeah. I think, like Commissioner uh, Comden said, I. I don't want to be a be a barrier, um, you know. And and as Commissioner Farley said, especially if we're making budgetary requests, I think the sooner we get it in, the better. Because I know those budgets get baked pretty pretty quick in the spring, and um, and so so my my motion would be to approve the county's um, homelessness plan uh, with with an addendum of city recommendations, um, starting with one. Um, the city adopting stronger tenant protections by the end of 2024. Um, Two, having the winter warming shelter be open at 45 degrees and a quarter inch of rain. Um, Three, uh, doubling the winter warming shelter bed capacity. Um, And four, adopting a timetable of when each of the action areas in the in the plan will be achieved uh, based on recommendations by staff. I will second that.
2: Okay, and so how do we vote when we have two motions?
5: <laughs> there, was a second on the first
2: one. there was no second on the first one. That's correct. There was no so second on the first one. So there's just one motion okay. that's active. Um, before we do that, do we want to add the ADA? Hmm. Go ahead, Commissioner Farley.
12: I would ask that in your motion you might include ADA accessibility within all of our housing facilities for
2: homeless or transitional. I think Leona has a comment.
11: I have a comment on that. So just to clarify, so the art shelter, which is our emergency shelter, does have ADA compliant beds and ADA compliant bathrooms and restrooms and locations. It's just that it's typically the first bunks to go are the bottom bunks. And then whatever is left over typically is the top bunks, which is it makes it very difficult for those with physical limitations or disabilities to access those bunks. But usually, what happens with the, with Mercy House, who runs our art shelter, is that they always prioritize those with disabilities and those um, who are senior age for the bottom bunks.
10: And I think maybe if if, uh, if I'm getting this right, and maybe we can get some some <laughs> some nods from the crowd here, but. But maybe what, um, what folks from VSSTF were recommending was that doubling of shelter beds in order to address the fact that those bottom bunks go quickly, and sometimes there's not enough bottom bunks left, and that's the way to address ADA, or? Oh, I don't know if that's, I is that, that allowed? Do
2: that now. Sorry.
10: <laughs> but maybe if you can <laughs> give me a nod or something, I don't know. <laughs>
12: Yeah, I'm fine as long as we are addressing it for the purpose of ADA and not just expansion without focusing on those folks with disability. Because I think that was kind of the point of that concern.
11: So just to clarify, are you looking for an expansion with ADA accessibility? I think if that was the intention of
12: the public comment was doubling it to provide additional beds to seniors and those folks with disability, then making sure those facilities are fully accessible.
2: Exactly. Okay, thank you. Is that like a percentage of the... You know, of the expansion, would that would that address the ADA issue? Like, it's a percentage of the the expansion of beds.
12: Well, I think if the intention was to double the beds, say I forget the number, if it was forty now and it would be eighty now, those additional forty beds would then be fully accessible to everyone, so they wouldn't be bunk beds in any. So at one hundred
2: percent, is that reasonable?
11: So as of right now, the art shelter is housed in the Knowles Building, which is a county-owned building. Um, the first floor is what we're utilizing as an emergency shelter. Um, the second, third, and fourth floors are going to be utilized for recuperative care, so we will be unable to expand at that current location. So staff would have to work to locate an additional location to do a shelter expansion.
10: And that would be motel rooms, uh, most likely, correct? Is that that seemed like with the so public comment.
11: So it would either be non, it would be congregate or non-congregate. Typically, non-congregate options are the preferred option for people experiencing homelessness because they have the ability to have a locked door behind them, additional sets of privacies, and things of that nature, yes.
4: Are you amenable to friendly amendments to your motion?
10: Uh, sure, let's hear it. OK.
2: Can we, can we resolve the ADA one before oh. we move on? I'm sorry.
10: Yeah. Because I'm not
2: sure I, I fully understand where we're at on that.
10: I guess Commissioner Farley, are you are you happy with the current language or was there a specific language you wanted to, to suggest to the friendly movement oh. uh,
2: If you wanted to
12: reopen public comment, you could okay to clarify that if that would be easier.
2: in the middle of the motion we can yes. okay. Mm-hmm. would you guys like me to open reopen the comment? Okay I will reopen the public comment on this item if you'd like to come forward and address the question at hand. Thank you, Ms. Alexander.
0: Thank you. I just want to offer some clarification as you're talking so you have the information. Right now, the shelter, the bottom beds pretty much are only used by those who are seniors and those with disabilities. And the waiting list to get into the shelter is a higher number of people on the waiting list that need the bottom bunks. So as additional shelter beds as in the goal is developed, that needs to be taken into consideration since that's the population that has the highest needs. Those who are unhoused but are not disabled or not seniors, they don't mind the top bunk, even though they would prefer non-congregate, and many people do not choose to go into a shelter because they don't want to live in a dorm and have no place for all their things. So there's a lot of things to consider, but I'm just wanting to clarify that the longer waiting list is for the bottom bunks, and right now they are prioritized as much as possible for those who have the highest need for those beds. We just only have X number of beds. So that's the just for that clarification as, as you talk. And I mentioned that just as the goal that is on the plan is to increase the number of emergency beds. So I'm only asking that those emergency beds that have increased as they're able to be, take into consideration the need of what population is growing. So I hope that's a helpful clarification.
2: Thank you, Ms. Alexander. <clears throat> um, I'll go ahead and if there aren't any other public comments, <laughs> I'll go ahead and reclose it. All right, great, thanks. Okay, go ahead, Commissioner Abbey.
15: Thank you, Chair. Um, I think she, uh, Judy Alexander, expressed that very well. I think. The main focus is doubling the beds. And we can put uh, additional wording that says to encourage, uh, to hopefully provide enough beds for seniors and disabled people and leave it at that. So it, it 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 says we're concerned about it. We're not gonna get into the logistics of that, but we're definitely behind the doubling the beds.
10: Uh, I'd like to, if, if possible, adjust my motion to, to that, that bullet point to read, uh, doubling the number of, of emergency shelter beds uh, with ADA accessibility to the greatest extent possible. Okay, so
11: currently there's, currently there's only one
2: motion. Right. And do I have a second or is there further deliberation? I I,
4: I have, I would like to um, put out a friendly uh, addition to the motion for consideration. The addition of two goals, one uh, a goal which explicitly states end homelessness. This being a five-year plan, that one would not be a time-bound goal because it's not conceivable that we could meet that within five years, Um, but it would be an overarching goal which all of the other goals would be subordinate to. Uh, the second goal I would like to see is a, a year over year goal to decrease the point in, uh, point in time count by a certain amount or a certain percentage. So the addition of two goals.
2: Um, is, is the end homelessness in the general plan? Is that in the general plan?
5: No not to my knowledge it's not in the current general plan and we don't have a draft of the proposed one okay. yet
2: how do we feel about the additions
5: I'm
10: I'm open minded on them curious to hear what fellow commissioners uh, think my um, my concern is is kind of over I guess I have two concerns one is is just kind of overloading with too many suggestions that the council could you know dilute each of them I think um, You know my my other concern although i i hear the 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 intention around those those numbers i think there are so many factors that go into you know the numbers and you know what what happens to the point in time count to me i'm i don't know i tend to be a pragmatist of more of like what are the actual you know things that we're doing to either change policy or allocate resources versus kind of you know what are the the numbers we're shooting for that really are just you know impacted by those the actual things that we're doing. So um, yeah, but but curious maybe what fellow commissioners think. You know is there is there interest in adding those those last two goals?
2: Um, I, I have some thoughts. I, I I tend to agree with you, Commissioner Zucker. I think. Um, a timetable for each action item is very specific to the homelessness plan, which is going in front of city council. Um, I'm, I'm fine with stating homelessness as a, the overarching goal. I'm, that's fine. Um, but I, I, would, I, I do agree that I'm not sure about the year-end goals. You know, what does that apply to? Exactly what in the homelessness plan are we applying that to? What parts of it? I think that gets really complicated and can get kind of messy. Um, Further thought?
9: Um, I'm more in support I think of the original goal or the original recommendation by Commissioner Zucker um, in saying that we would like to establish goals um, and I would entrust staff after hearing this quite long deliberation on the topic that uh, when you brought back forth to council that you expressed what was shared here tonight. Um, in around our specific uh, asks around goals so I would be uh, personally comfortable with supporting the existing motion um, and interesting staff to come back to council during that time with you know the, the more specific language around ending homelessness and, and more specific goals personally
1: if, if, okay
10: I, I think maybe after hearing from a couple of fellow commissioners maybe I prefer to keep the, the motion as is and then of course you know uh, commissioner McCarty you, you know welcome to, to introduce a substitute motion
12: before a second on um, Commissioner Zucker's um, motion there should be a take there should be action on the friendly amendment
16: to,
10: okay, to, and, oh, yes, right. and can my action I guess I guess I'm saying um, no on the friendly amendment but but yeah of course go ahead and make a substitute motion if you'd like to
2: Is everybody thoroughly confused at this point?
6: (laughs) Chair, are you ready to take a vote on the motion? On,
2: on,
7: no, uh,
12: uh,
2: on the amendment first. Okay, so we're taking a vote on. Well, the
6: the motion maker declined the friendly amendment. Oh,
2: okay, I didn't hear that. Okay.
6: Okay. So now we're back to your motion. I second that motion. Great. Mr. Clark, please call the roll.
3: Okay we have a motion and a second to adopt staff's recommendation to um, approve the plan with the city recommendation uh, f- to uh, include tenant protections by 2024 um, and with the addition of uh, fell weather sh- for the fell weather shelter to activate under 45 degrees and over one inch of rain um, and for the expert
6: orange
3: and for the expiration of, du- of a doubling of shelter beds um, with ADA accessibility uh, for the winter warming shelter um, and then uh, for staff to come up with a timetable for when various action items will be completed and uh,
10: return to council uh, yes and maybe two to uh, slight wordsmiths I would say Adopt tenant protections rather than include tenant protections, um, and uh, on the the shelter beds, I think it was ADA accessible uh, to the to the greatest extent possible. So that would be exploration of doubling the shelter
3: beds uh, to the to the greatest extent of ADA accessibility. And those. Clarifications are supported by Commissioner Condon Those yes, uh,
6: and uh, I, I don't know if this is proper, but I I, I see staff kind of chomping at the bit to, to make a comment now. May we do that before we vote? That
11: appropriate. Okay, okay. So I just want to clarify. Um, I just want to make sure that we understand Commissioner Zucker's uh, motion. Your motion was to double the number of emergency shelter beds, not the number of winter shelter beds. Is that correct? or is it both?
10: I'm actually not sure now what, what uh, the Social Services Task Force is I, recommending I, I to us. I uh, believe
6: Ms. Alexander said winter shelter, winter warming, winter warming
0: shelter.
11: Can I clarify? OK, um, hi everyone, Rachel, as well, confusing. Um, so I believe Ms. Alexander was, had two different points. There was the foul weather shelter, which is activated during times of increment weather, She would like to double that occupancy. And then we also have our emergency shelter that is year-round. She would like that one to be more ADA accessible. Um, Also doubling those beds as well, but I think the priority there is the ADA accessibility was with those top bunks. So those are two separate shelters that we do oversee with the city.
10: Great, so I'll I'll clarify, I guess, that third bullet to be the the year-round emergency shelter, not the winter warming, right? No? Oh, I'm seeing head shaking from the. <laughs> so, so maybe maybe it is the, the winter warming. And that, I think that was what we were originally yes. saying yes. before I got confused. So, okay. All right. Uh, so, winter warming for both.
2: Mr. Clerk, did you capture that? It's winter warming for both of those. In, uh, for both the doubling correct. of
3: the beds? Correct. Okay. So, that's going to include the foul weather shelter.
2: But I guess it begs the question, why are we only um, looking at the ADA for one of them?
12: Yeah, I think my point was that all shelter beds should be somewhat accessible to everyone all the time, um, was my general thought. And the clarification's going back and forth, I'm a little confused now. But um, I believe my intention is that ADA beds should be available to everyone. I mean, we're saying to
2: the the most practicable. So perhaps it could be applied to both.
6: Well, let me, let me just having been over to the grand opening several years ago, there's a space limitation per room. That's why you go vertical, just like in building houses, you have bunk beds because you don't have enough floor space to add those additional beds on the ground.
2: But that would apply regardless of the shelter.
10: How about if we do this, uh, add another bullet point. So, so, Tenant projections is the first. The second is the the forty five degree and and quarter quarter inch. The third is doubling beds in the winter warming shelter, and then a a, a fourth being, maximize the ADA accessibility of of all city homeless shelter uh, capacity. Right, um, and then and then finally the I and mean the timetable uh, recommended by staff. Is that? Satisfy folks?
6: Okay, I second that still.
3: Okay, so we're taking away the ADA accessibility is gonna be its own.
10: Exactly, okay. And, is, and that one would, would just be general, right? Applying to all, all shelter.
3: And just to be sure, it, is everyone clear on the motion?
10: <laughs> okay.
3: Commissioner <laughs> Farley? Yes. Commissioner McCarty?
0: Mm, no.
3: Commissioner Abbey? Yes. Commissioner Zucker? Yes. Commissioner Comden? Yes. Vice Chair Busa? Yes. Chair Lagerquist? Yes. Six ayes. Motion carries.
2: Thank you, Commission, for the long deliberation. That that was a nice democratic process in, in works, so that's great. Okay, moving on to our next uh, formal item uh, is the 2025 to 2029 Capital Improvement Plan. Uh, are there any members of the Planning Commission who have ex parte communications to report or need to recuse themselves, other than the long list I have in front of me? <laughs> um, you, I guess mostly, Has there, have there been any ex parte communications? Okay, great. Um, So tonight, let's see, I believe Jeff Hereford is going to present for us. Take it away.
16: Good evening, uh, commissioners and chair. Uh, log request. Um, my name is Jeff Furford, acting city, in, city engineer and the city's transportation manager. I'm also here tonight with Chandra Shaker, associate engineer in engineering services of public works. Uh, we are here tonight for the uh, general plan conformance review of the, propo- of the proposed 2025 29 capital improvement program. Uh, the city's municipal code identifies the planning commission as having the power and duty to review the capital improvement program for purposes of making the general plan consistency finding. Uh, The topics that we will cover tonight include a brief overview of the capital improvement program, the process of developing the CIP, how it is organized, proposed changes to the currently approved CIP, review of projects that have been completed over the past 18 months, and lastly, the conformance review. The Capital Improvement Program is a five-year plan with major updates to the plan every year with major updates on even years such as this year. The CIP contains a list of capital improvement projects that details the cost estimates, financing, and project schedule. Importantly, it also includes cost of operating and maintaining facilities constructed or acquired. Goals of the Capital Improvement Program is a systemic plan for capital infrastructure investments restore or maintain current service levels, and meet regulatory or service requirements. The CIP is not a funding document, it is a planning document. CEQA compliance is completed at a project level, during pre-design, and is a separate approval from the CIP. The city charter requires the CIP to be prepared and distributed to city council by February 1st and adopted by April 1st. CIP stands for Capital Improvement Program, It is a five-year plan and a city charter requirement. It contains projects authorized for execution and is often referred to as the CIP or program. A work plan is a fully or partially funded project. Work plan projects are authorized for execution and have a spending plan. Potential grants are those projects authorized to be moved into the work plan if grant funds are received. And we are currently going after grant funds to fund these projects. Unplanned projects have no funding sources identified. They are not authorized for staff to work on and there are no plans for execution. Unplanned projects are placed on a list of unfunded and lower priority projects. We we began the CIP development process last June. Department coordinators reviewed the current work plan and submitted new project requests. Public Works engineers then provided new estimates and recommended prioritization for both new and existing work plans in late summer. During fall, we reviewed the funding and determined capacity of funds to implement projects. The proposed CIP was was transmitted to City Council in January and a study session on the CIP occurred just last night at City Council. Please note that the CIP projects are being designed and implemented. Estimates are updated throughout the process. Project costs may fluctuate due to uh, resizing of the project scope and or inflation. As mentioned earlier, the CIP is required to be adopted before May 1st each year. Projects in the adopted CIP will be incorporated into the fiscal year 2024-25 budget. Online versions of the CIP book will be published and distributed by July 1st. The CIP is organized into nine major program areas as shown on this slide to the left and as mentioned earlier, contains information as shown on the right. This slide shows the changes that are being proposed in the new CIP. Four new paving projects are being added. These projects are work plan projects, so funding has been identified and engineers will begin working on them based on the schedule contained in the CIP. Among other items, there are 14 new potential grant funded projects being added. Lastly, 75 projects have been deleted mostly due to the fact that they have been completed or will be completed by June 30th, 2024. Uh, these next few slides show projects that have been completed in the last 18 months. As you can see, these are the program areas that we that I mentioned earlier. Um, one just to call out here is the community park uh, entrance that, we, that was constructed that also included extra parking. Uh, this section here is the streets and transportation a little near and dear to my heart several great projects on here I can go on and on about uh, Montalvo Safe to School was one I'll highlight here um, it was an APWA award-winning uh, project that if you didn't know about that um, that was really great um, and then a wastewater project here for just over nine million dollars and then lastly um, several uh, water projects were also completed in these last 18 months as you can see So with that, I'm gonna go ahead and send, send it over to Chandra to um, do the remaining of the presentation.
1: Thank you, Jeff. Uh, the California Fair Practices Commission is the entity that has determined uh, projects to be in conflict if they're within 500 to 1,000 feet of a uh, commissioner's property, uh, owned property or uh, with an interest. Working with the city attorney's office, uh, staff has identified the following conflicts, potential conflicts uh, for these projects. Uh, the first one is uh, project number 91164, Santa Paula Branch Line Rails with Trails project, and it's uh, commissioners Busa and uh, Forley. 91139, the Cabrillo Village Multi Use Path, would be commissioner Farley two projects nine six nine two two and nine six nine seven three is the transfer station seaside land acquisition and the sewer line repair replacement on the west side and that would be for commissioner Zucker. Um, Project number nine five one three zero is for the Loma Vista storm drain repair two lane to Bartolo Barranca and that would be commissioner Comden. Project 96971, sewer line replacement, Pierpont, force main, would be Commissioner McCarty. And the last project would be the remaining projects which uh, were none of the commissioners are conflicted. Uh, As for, uh, for the conformance review, we are only talking about the work plan projects. And what staff has done is linked the projects to goals, policies, and actions in the 2005 general plan, and also the 1989 comprehensive plan for projects which are in the local coastal zone only. Exhibit A for each of the resolutions kind of shows you the linkage to the goals, policies, and actions in the general plan and in the 1989 comprehensive plan. This is a sample for the two projects: the transfer station east side land acquisition, and the sewer line repair realignment west side. You'll see that it's uh, in our sustainable infrastructure, which is uh, a chapter in the general plan. It's wastewater treatment, which is the objective, and its uh, policies 5A and 5B that are you know um, linked to these projects in the. 2005 general plan. Since these two projects are also in the local coastal zone, the 1989 comprehensive plan resources element would be the uh, goal. And it would come under coastal resources management and policies 15.10 and 15.11. So this is a sample for these two projects on how staff has uh, identified the conformance review. So staff is recommending that the Planning Commission adopt the resolutions, uh, taking account of the conflicts of interest. Um, Next steps would be March 26th would be the public hearing and adoption. The CIP must be adopted by April 1st, 2023. And July 1st would be the CIP book would be available. And I think that concludes our presentation and staff is here for uh, questions.
2: Thank you so much, both of you. I appreciate, I apologize for butchering your last name. <laughs> um, so the way this is going to work is we're going to have some time to ask staff some questions and then, um, and then I'll open it up for public comment and go through that. And then I'll close that and then we will deliberate any further on those items. And then we'll be uh, voting on the resolutions one by one and you'll each have to step out. So with that, does st- uh, do the commissioners have any questions for staff?
12: Excuse me, Chair, may I make a comment? I'd just like to um, let the commissioners and chair know that for the resolutions, there's a slight non-substantive change where, where there's references to the general plan. Instead of just general plan, it's going to be spelled out 2005 Ventura general plan and 2018 comprehensive plan, if applicable.
2: Go ahead, Commissioner Zacher.
10: Um, I'm really excited to see two projects in here that I think will really advance, uh, you know, biking and outdoor recreation, and, and um, you know, particularly in uh, um, you know, in some of our city's most most disadvantaged communities, like Cabrillo Village. Um, the both the Santa Paula branch line and the Cabrillo Village uh, path. I, I just curious to learn learn a little bit more about those and and what you know um, what that'll look like, kind of when it's done and
16: uh, the Cabrillo uh, Village bike path, we've been working, designing for a year or two. Um, we're nearing completion of the design. It's going right behind. It's, g- it's gonna start at the end of North Bank, where it terminates there, and then go to Sataquay Just kind of go along the levee there, right behind Cabrillo Village. Um, with the monies get- for construction will be available next fiscal year, and so we're working with Caltrans to get that allocation. So it's, gonna- it's an exciting project. It's got some nice landscaping to it, some, uh, Some nice uh, uh, signage for the river, and so it's a really exciting project. Um, Santa Paula branch line, big project. Uh, There's money right now for design, uh, just over $6 million, and we also have uh, the construction money, $26 million, yeah, $22 million, so it's about a $28 million project. Um, Beginning the design right now, we have a consultant team on board. Um, There's some challenges with some rail crossings, Um, It's a um, four-mile new class one bike path, multi-use trail. Um, We also, one mile of that goes by ag land, so we're working with the ag community on that. Um, There's some work to be done with them. Um, There's also uh, one bridge over harmon Bronca, and then potentially another one over brown Bronca towards Wells Road, Um, so we're working through that. So, great project. it's got it does have the crossings at johnson and pettit and sadekoy so we're working through some of the the design details of that bristol is the challenging one there because it's on a skew it's not 90 degrees like we engineers like to see um so but yeah it's a and it's got a lot of connectivity um the harman bronca bike path trail connects to it um, and there's uh, other trails that connect to it it connects to the Metrolink station um, and then in the end it'll it'll terminate at the uh, the sadekoy, uh, rail depot which is an old building that's still there. So the vision is there's gonna be a parking lot there. The vision is, you know, maybe there's a group or organization that come through and, and renovate that building to really create a, a great trail system there. And then eventually, you know, VCTC is looking at extending that. Um, there's bits and pieces of that in Santa Paula and Fillmore already constructed. So the idea is for it to go all the way out to, um, you know, the county line there. So thanks for asking.
10: Yeah, really exciting and yeah, hope we're able to, to VCTC is able to get that other, other piece connected. Yeah,
16: the great part is it was all 100% grant funded at this point.
10: Amazing, so, so. thank you.
2: Commissioner Ivey.
15: Thank you. Um, let's see, let's see. Jeff, uh, Montalba District Six Community Council had a presentation regarding the Santa Paula Branch Line uh, bike trail path and It was a terrific presentation and I'm glad to see that moving forward. Um, Let's see, going along with what Commissioner Zucker said, there were a number of recommendations, uh, projects here in the CIP having to do with active transportation plan. I'm really happy to see that as well. Uh, Knit this community together in terms of biking and so forth, get around town. Um, I did notice there are, Included in that was a pedestrian bridge, uh, Camino Real Park, uh, crossing the 126, so the field community can access to Camino Real. I noticed in the diagram that came in on the supplemental that uh, packet that uh, Chair Lagerquist requested, and by the way, I was very happy that she requested that. That was good additional information that we needed. Um, Could you bring that project up uh, on the screen? the uh, I don't think we have a
16: slide of that oh okay but I can talk to it if you'd like yeah could you um, it
15: looked like it went there there was a path that went the bridge over the 126 into community real Park and I thought that was going to be the extent of it but it looked like there was an additional path that took you down yeah, we Main want to street
16: we want to try we want to continue through the west through um, the park through the dog park basically and then along the front edge of the Buena um, Ventura Gardens I think it is there's a there's an area between the off ramp and the, the apartments there that we think we can weave through and then tie it into Main and Mills, basically.
15: Okay, I was glad um, to see that addition to the, to the project.
16: Yeah, it's, it's and we did, to your point previously, we moved five or six of the high-priority projects from our adopted active transportation plan that was adopted recently at Council. So we moved some of those high-priority projects over to the CIP, okay. um, so including this one, you referred to Seaward Avenues on there, um, East Way, East Side Bike Lanes, or East Side uh, Greenways. And so there's a couple projects in there. From the- yeah, well, it was
15: very good to see the seaward uh, project, uh, south seaward, over yeah. the railroad tracks. That that I was glad. Those, those projects that were mentioning were they already on the five-year plan, or are those any of those new? Those were new. Some of
16: well, the Camino Real was already in there, um, but we expanded it, like you mentioned. Um, and then the East Side Greenway project is new, and the Seaward Avenue, um, the not the it's not the rail crossing because that has been in there. But the, the, the road, uh, elevated bike lane is what we want to do there. Oh, OK. What
15: uh, um, is the status of, is the? The, the rail crossing? Yes.
16: <laughs> the Haley Point, um, which I think has a different name now, did, um, was conditioned to kick in some money for a study. And so we're working with rail pros right now. Um, to come up with, well we have four different options there, at grade, over-crossing, under-crossing, and then working out something with the crossing at Seaward. Is that,
15: um, I'm sorry, is that uh, with that one you're talking about right at the moment, um, is that included in the C- this five-year it, CIP?
16: It, it's in the CIP as well. It's been in there. The oh, little, it's already uh, been in there.
15: Yeah. yeah, okay,
0: very
16: good. It's another uh, challenging project with uh, Union Pacific and the CPUC um, getting some agreement on a the crossing there.
15: Okay, on, my, on this round um, I had two other questions. Uh, moving to the west side, Stanley Road Highway Interchange. What, what is the status on that and, and what is the description, brief description of the project?
16: That one, it, it's to upgrade the interchange and we have a left, you know, we have an entrance on the left side and exit on the left side of the freeway, which is totally non-standard now. Um, so the idea there is to upgrade the interchange We've worked with Caltrans a couple years ago, looking at some different options. Caltrans, anytime you look at an interchange, they require a a review to look at a a roundabout. So they deem the roundabout not feasible there due to the levy. Um, So it's gonna be a grade-separated interchange is what the the most likely option. Um, It requires us to work with Caltrans to do a cooperative agreement and then also find funding for it. Caltrans doesn't have that on their list as a high-priority project. Um, but it is something that is on our, on our CIP and is a work plan as well.
15: Okay, so for I was going to ask that. So there's three categories, work plan, potential, grant, and unplanned. So that Stanley one, which one does that fit into? It's a work plan. Oh, it is a work plan. Okay, that's there's, good.
16: There's about $50,000 in there, I believe, to um, basically start working with Caltrans and coming up with a plan on how we can get some design money for that. But there is some seed money there.
15: Okay, and uh, this other one, I didn't see anything, and I don't know that the city's done anything with it uh, other than to send a letter to Caltrans regarding the Johnson Drive freeway interchange. What's the status on that? Yeah,
16: we sent a letter to Caltrans. They did respond and they did do um, some operational analysis there. What they came up with is um, they're looking at putting a stop sign actually at the terminus of the off ramp. Is it a
15: stop sign or a stop line? Stop sign.
16: Um, And then that would make it an all-way stop there, um, control the the movement at Ventura Boulevard so that those movements are a little easier. Um, So they're doing some further study on it. Um, They did not make a recommendation as of yet to do a full-blown interchange upgrade there, um, but that's the recommendation so far is to put a stop sign at the terminus and they think that'll help the operation of that
10: intersection.
15: Yeah, okay. Um, at this point, is that something that's made on onto the CIP? Uh,
16: I don't know if that interchanges in the CIP. I'd have to, I'll have to look at that for you, Commissioner Abbey. Okay. But that, if that, when that's that part of it, the stop sign, it would just be handled as a separate project. It would probably be handled as a part of the paving. We're getting ready to pave North Bank from uh, the off ramp there to Johnson. Mm-hmm. So in conjunction with that paving project, that stop sign would be installed.
15: In yeah, I I don't want to indicate if I, whether or not I feel that's adequate answer to this problem, but I'm glad to hear that there's some action look, looking into it. Okay, thank you. Go ahead,
2: Scott. Commissioner McCarty.
4: Um, as long as the uh, issue of the Stanley Avenue Highway 33 interchange has come up, um, I just have an administrative comment on that one. In the CIP work plan information sheets, the description of that project is incorrect. It, it was the description was copied and pasted from a different oh, different one. So, okay. if, if you just want to it fix did that, come
16: out. I thought we changed. I do remember that though. But thanks for pointing that oh, out. Wait. If it's still in there, okay. Thank you. Uh,
2: sorry, I, I've seen Commissioner Comden. Did you have any comments? Well, yes,
6: I do, but uh, everybody else is jumping in, so please, go right ahead. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, I, I, I hadn't made it. I, did I didn't it. move. Um, I noticed that the budget uh, for through the end of fiscal year 2024, the grand total is $184 million. Uh, the city's budget is 60% of that. So is that to say that a large percentage of the funding that goes into these uh, capital improvement come from state or federal or other agencies?
16: There's a lot of that. Um, I can just speak from the projects that I'm fully aware of. Yeah. We have a lot of grant funding. And then like, for example, Main Street Bridge, um, that's one of large project we're working on. Um, it's a, right now it's estimated 114 million. Yeah. Uh, we have $3 million in with HIP money that we're working to do the environmental on. The rest of the money, well, The city's. we're thinking the city's gonna come up with 11% of that essentially, 1147 percent The rest of it, if we're looking at federal funding and state funding. Right. So a lot of that is potential grant funds. California Street Off-Ramp Project, same thing. We're working on the environmental of it, on the environmental, but we're looking at, you know, another 30 million, hopefully, in grant funding for that.
6: Yeah. So I don't like to- And
16: Ventura Water
6: is in there as well. Right. Well, Ventura Water is 41 million of that. 184, but if you took that out, it's still 140 million, which is 35 million more than our budget is. is.
16: Well, and then um, uh, Santa Paula branch line, it's a $26 million project. Yeah. And so that's fully grant funded. Yeah. A lot of our transportation is is grant funded. So,
6: my question is um, it was reported yesterday that the state is looking at a $164 billion deficit. If we don't get the funding for something that's kind of green lighted, what happens
16: well there's yeah there is the, one of the hits that I've seen is the active transportation um, money but a lot the most of the money that we already have has already been allocated so it's not in jeopardy okay some of the future um, projects and some there's a grant call coming up for active transportation cycle seven usually it's in the 500 million dollar range they're looking at cutting that to 200 million or so so mm. yeah. um, that is one of the buckets that they're looking at cutting back um, but I'm not aware of anything um, that we're currently working on that's, that's um, you know, potentially going to be unfunded.
6: Okay, two other questions. Surfer's Point, looks like much of the heavy lifting financially is that in this fiscal year 24, $15.9 million. Uh, When is that project uh, likely to start? So that's a Coastal Conservancy grant, right around, like you said, $16 million.
16: Um, we need to be in construction. We can only do construction between Labor Day and Memorial Day on that project. So the plans were already pretty much really close to being done or re-engaging with uh, the consultant to finish it up do some more public engagement do some public art we're hoping to get it out in, in may for bid so we can be prepared so we can hit the ground running and in, in, uh labor day basically after labor day so then we have that full yeah full year to do the construction okay so
6: oh i see yeah so then ho-
16: can't tell you, I don't know exactly, but I'm pretty sure it's from Labor it, I know we can only do construction from Labor Day to Memorial Day, so I'm thinking we can finish <clears throat> it that,
6: right. in that time period. I, I noticed uh, there's an item, rebuild Buena Golf Course for 18 million. Um, can you speak to that a little bit? As a golfer or as an employee? <laughs> as, a ta- as a taxpayer in this setting. <laughs>
16: I do enjoy golfing. Um, I don't know what's you know I've heard a lot of different things going on there. I, I've heard anything from an executive course, to a top golf, to and but it's in a floodplain, so I don't I don't know if that's true or not. So I'd have to get back to you on that. I don't know where that stands right
6: now. I just yeah. Think a lot of options. I, I mean, it seems to me there's some discussion about analyzing whether we need two golf courses, and I just see an 18 million dollar line item, which I anticipate is the majority funded by the city. I know they're looking. I know they're
16: working with FEMA on some some funding to, um, you know, help with the emergency funding to help reconstruct that. Um, but I, I can't speak to exactly what's what's going on.
6: Okay, all right, thanks.
9: Um, uh, Thank you for the the presentation and all the content. Um, Really uh, greatly appreciate the the view that provides the breakdown of all the projects uh, into identifying not only the cost, the funding source, which is an important conversation and topic, but our job here tonight, ensuring insurance with the general plan conformancy. So thank you for identifying that and making it so um, digestible. on the point of it, as it related is our job our role tonight to con- make sure it's in conformance with the general plan as we're updating the general plan and this is a five-year plan stretching beyond the adoption of our our new general plan what would be the process or um, procedure in t- to ensure that would there be an update to ensure conformity with the updated general plan
5: If there's any um, issues with alignment between the two, we would adjust the CIP. Ultimately, as we're crafting the general plan, Jeff and his team have been very involved in that process and will continue to be. So they'll make sure that there are no issues. And again, if there are, it would likely be to the CIP, which would come back for review. And ultimately, we hope that the general plan, as we move forward, aligns with at least this version of whatever is adopted for the CIP. And then ultimately, we'll... In reality, do amendments as needed over time.
9: Thank you for that um, answer. And uh, just calling out nine one one three three. Just in terms of repair and ADA improvements across the city, uh, this this initiative is is I think uh, paramount to our you know, accessible community wellness living um you know and we talk about funding and sources just from a, a staff's perspective as you guys you work with council in, in terms of identifying that um know, yeah, i think a great goal would be to have a hundred a city that's hundred percent ada accessible um so as we look at projects and initiatives in, in prioritization um just something to be considerate of um i know that's not our role here tonight but i just wanted to take that opportunity so thank you
10: Uh, well, speaking of ADA accessibility, I'm I'm excited to see that the the bathrooms at Arroyo Verde um, ADA accessibility since we have that award-winning ADA accessible park there, right? It's a uh, playground. It's it's great to have that. Um, my question was around the Olivas Park Drive levy. Um, this was, I think, Commissioner uh, McCarty, Comden, and my first uh, commission meeting. We had a very controversial item. Our first meeting on on the Olivas Park. Uh, specific plan and and I it, you know it feels like a lifetime ago but but um, I, I remember one of the you know points of contention was around that bike bike path would that be a bike lane or a, a class one bike trail um, and I see here it says bike lane and I was wondering and I, and I thought maybe the direction was for it to be a class one bike trail the,
16: the, there, the, we, <clears throat> the bike lanes are still in there but there is a multi-use trail on the side, the, the levee side, so between the, the, back, of, the this back of sidewalk and the levee is a class one uh, multi-use trail. Okay, uh, great. Yeah. Just
10: make sure that wasn't dropped. Thank you.
2: And I go ahead. I have a
4: question. So speaking of the Arroyo Verde Park restroom, so is that, that's the one where the Portland Lou is proposed. Is that correct?
16: At Arroyo Verde?
4: Yes. Or am I thinking of a different project?
16: Well, there's a there's a Portland Lou downtown that's been discussed. I do know that. I'm not sure if there's one in Aurora Verde.
2: I don't. I
4: okay. Don't, in in any case, for that project or those projects which for which the Portland Lou is being considered, um, was there a discussion among staff about all of the negative press and reports regarding the Portland Lou's? Are you familiar with that?
16: I know we have the Portland Lou at Kellogg Park and West Park. Uh-huh. Um, I'm not aware of any conversations that have been said about negativity on Portland Lou's.
4: Okay. Uh, I'm not sure. If okay, so we we already well, I wasn't aware we already have some at. We have Kell- two of them, yeah. Oh, okay. We have one okay. At
16: Kellogg Park and one at West Park.
4: Okay, and we haven't had any issues reported on those. Well, that not you're
16: aware of? It. I'm not aware of that. Um, okay, but, uh, but I'm not. That's my not in my area, okay. but I, I usually do hear things okay. and... Okay, I didn't realize we
4: already had some installed. Okay.
16: Well, then the other one's downtown by the parking structure, the little mm-hmm. mini park. Okay. That's where the proposed one okay. one, is supposed to go.
4: Okay,
15: good. Thank you.
11: Let's
15: see, Jeff, um, let's see. Ventura Water Pure, so... so there's that project and there's a pipeline to once the water is purified it's pumped over to an insertion point point. and uh, I don't know if I'm confusing that with the project that uh, Commissioner Zucker mentioned or not but is the insertion point somewhere in the Levis Park specific plan area to in- to insert it into the groundwater I don't know if that's the Fox Canyon it, groundwater it goes basin? to the
16: corner. I, I believe it goes to the corner of Olivas and and Harbor, at that vacant lot, by the golf course.
15: That's where the plant starts. That's where
16: the plant starts, and I believe that's where, I think that's where. It's but,
15: but then there's a pipeline. Once the water's purified, it's going to be injected into the groundwater. Which part of town is that going to? The injection is going to take place? It's not going to be at the Levis Park specific plant, yeah, right?
16: I don't think so. I, I will have. To, I can get. I'll find more information for you. Oh,
15: okay. All right. Thank you.
2: Any other questions or comments? No? I had just one quick one specific um, on the Loma Vista storm drain repair. I thought it was, is that, um, are they eventually going to replace the entire storm drain? or Why is it just a section? Is that just a funding issue? Like, you know, I'm assuming that whole line was put in at the same time. So are we targeting the worst section or
16: you're probably correct it's probably targeting an area that's been corroded and ready for replacement yeah and so that's why they're choosing that section
2: okay and then my second comment is I I can't believe it no one mentioned streets especially based on the condition of the streets after the amount of rain we've had this year already and I believe we had the exact same conversation last year (laughs) Um, but I I was curious as how the streets are um, identified and and then prioritized when we're looking at repairing the streets? Through
16: our five-year pavement maintenance program, um, the streets are, um, the P- the pavement condition index is analyzed. Um, and then based on that, um, we create our, our CIP and put our list together. We also have our slurry seal program that are taking streets that the, P- the pavement condition index isn't so low that, You know, we wanna catch it when the pavement condition index is still well enough for us to seal that street up. Um, That's why a lot of times that you'll see streets that are in terrible conditions and then we're slurring a street next to it that doesn't look as bad. But we're trying to catch that street so before it gets that deteriorated because the cost to repair the street with the full resurface is, you know, tenfold. And so we wanna repair those streets with slurry as, as best we can before they get to that point.
2: What is the, do you know off the top of your head what the city budget is for the, the slurry program alone or? Um,
16: it's about a million to... a year. So mm-hmm. we just got done doing um, a, a series of streets. We did Loma Vista, Telephone um, and it's about a million dollars a year and we're getting ready to put another one out as we, right now as we speak.
2: Okay.
16: Mm-hmm. And I believe a lot of that is measure O,
2: yeah. What's and that? gas tax,
16: measure O and gas tax is what's oh, okay. used for that. All right yeah. Thank the you. big uh, the next big one coming up is telegraph uh, well they have three we have um, navigator in the in the harbor we've got north bank like i mentioned um, and uh, God, there's one other one. Oh, valentine oh. so that's getting ready to go out to bid um, and then we're working on a large one on telegraph between ashwood and victoria Yeah. big project um, and so we're getting ready to um, go out to bid with that in the next couple months it's going to follow the the waterline project
2: that is coming
6: through
2: good to know (laughs) uh
6: we've had 13 inches of rain in the month of february which to my mind might be a record i'm wondering if you could give us some uh feedback on how our aging infrastructure held up during that and what we've learned
16: uh from my standpoint we we have we've had a few issues foothill and uh and Harman Bronca by Missionary Church. Um, if you guys have seen that, that's um, on the on the uh, ocean side of that. We have we've had some issues with the slope there that we're getting ready to to improve and fix before the road does slide off. It's not going to slide off, but just break down further. Uh, we've also had some major issues on the bike path, the Harmon Bronca bike path behind Todd Ranch. So we've had about three or four areas along that um, where we're getting ready to actually. We just got notice so we're going to go ahead and get that fixed in um, the next couple weeks um, not before the next rainfall um, other issues we've had a lot of storm drain issues with the old aging infrastructure of the CMPs um, the corrugated metal pipes just giving way and not knowing until it actually happens um, and we have a lot of I don't know what the mileage is but there's a lot out there um, there's another little issue on, on at Hillmont and Foothill that we're taking a look at, look taking a look at it just looks like the road is settling right there mm-hmm. on the, in the westbound lane um, and then, of course, the promenade, the beach, the, the path right there continues. That's with the storm surge and everything continues to deteriorate and luckily we have that surface point phase two that will take care of that. Yeah.
6: Um, I forgot to ask about the $5 million project on the um, Ventura River Parkway. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the status of the construction of that and what does $5 million get? So we're, um, that was another grant, it's a Clean California
16: grant. And um, five million dollars is getting us. We're resurfacing the majority of that from the beginning of it at West Park all the way up to just past Sycamore. The the uh, those the Sycamore Sycamore Village. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also doing some public art there, um, trash receptacles, um, lighting, um, just uh, landscaping. So there's quite a bit of amenities that will go good. along with that. Lighting would be yeah. good. Yeah. And then we're also looking at repaving. Starting there, we do have bike path maintenance money, um, for gas tax money that we get, or not gas tax money, but from VCTC, um, to extend slurry, hopefully to Foster Park, but we don't know if we can get that far. And there's also um, kind of dovetailing on to what uh, Mr. Lambert was talking about with the Housing Authority. They got the, they had a large grant to build housing, but along with that came another. $5 million, I believe, with uh, active transportation improvements. So we've been working with the Housing Authority for the last couple years, and that project is about ready to go out to bid. There's going to be curb extensions, some new flashing beacons, um, bus stop amenities, um, new sidewalk. So it's a very large project that the Housing Authority has put together. Um, and so we're excited about that as well.
2: Uh, I wanted to follow up with uh, what Commissioner Comden was, it, does the city, I mean, are we collecting the data of all the infrastructure issues when we have these major weather events, and is that integrated in, in, into any sort of climate change plan, or how, how are we recording all of that?
16: Um, we do collect, I mean, we have the pothole, we do collect pothole numbers, so we do have that. Um, as far as the, um, you know, there's some resiliency plans happening. Um, But as far as collecting data, as far as uh, slope issues and stuff like that, we do, I mean, we have that on record, but um, not necessarily in a big database or anything like that.
5: And then just to follow that, those types of issues get factored in when we're looking at our climate action resilience plan. And then further, we're also working on a a beach sand management plan. I think the title is slightly different, but it's generally (laughs) um, specific to a certain area of the beach and how we work with, other entities to manage the sand and um, some managed retreat areas as well. So, both of those play into how we deal with kind of climate change and our infrastructure issues. Thanks. Our,
16: our survey team is also uh, keeping track of sea level rise. So, they do go out there and survey the coastline regularly. So, that's the other way we're keeping okay. track of it.
2: Commissioner Abbey?
15: Um, I had a couple of storm drain questions. Uh, let's see. Back in uh, January 2016, there was a microburst. Uh, it was just a torrential amount of rain. I was working at the Ventura County Medical Center at the time and a lot of flooding in the hospital. But my wife was at a dental appointment on Loma Vista not uh, across from community CMH, and uh, she was ba- barely able to get into her car but was able to drive off. The, you had mentioned uh, some storm drain work on Loma Vista what portion of Loma Vista is that
2: that is it I just had
16: it. to, so it's further uh, further east than where you're referring to um, so it'd be Barlow Barranca. is that what you're thinking yeah.
15: yeah. okay has has have there been any problems around the hospital on Loma Vista
16: drainage wise yes in these last
15: few storms yeah
16: don't recall. I mean, the big one is that I've noticed is that Thompson and the Avenue. Is I was going to
15: Okay, I, I was. That was my last question. Was regarding that. Um, do they understand the cause of that? Is was the uh, in, infrastructure inadequate, or was there something clogging something? What would cause at, that?
16: At Thompson and Venture Avenue. Right. I don't know. That's something that we're looking into now because it didn't used to do that. That we're aware of. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if something was undersized when some developments were done there. So I, that's something
15: that we're looking into. Okay. Thank you.
2: All right. Thank you so much. We have peppered you with quite a few questions. I appreciate your patience and time. Um, with that, I would like to open it up for the public hearing. Um, Mr. Clerk, do we have any public speakers for this item?
3: Thank you, Chair. We do have one public comment for this item. Uh, Trevor Gottsman. You now should be able to unmute yourself.
14: Good evening, commission staff, community. Thank you, um, Mr. Hereford. Fantastic. It's always a pleasure. And once again, this is truly foundational stuff you're talking about. And I feel the more we, you know, I, I'm one who wants, who prefers to walk on footpaths barefoot and the hills right next door my house and the dog loves to go over there and dig the gophers and go the snake are around right now um, but and you see you see immediately the destruction or the slope the slides at how things go and how things will eventually slip and the potholes that happen in the hillsides and the potato and you can feel them as you're walking over them which ones are going to go next So, but the reason I wanted to speak was not about that, uh, and that's just, you know, I commend you all, but the unfunded projects, that came to my mind when you came up and said, well, you know, this is a five-year, you're going through every five years, and you seem to just glance over um, that those things don't get looked at for another five years, whatever projects they happen to be, and I, I'm asking how better can we get public involvement in those things because sometimes you know when projects they see things aren't going to happen but they feel they need to. There's you know, people do the GoFundMe and things like that. But what I'm you know that once they get motivated and to me this is what I'm hoping we can continue doing is keep building this community and making it more resilient and adapting to whatever it is. And offering whatever service we've got to offer, in support of all of that. So, um, so to me, these unfunded projects, um, having them just lie, going fallow, or disappear, you know. And all the projects, how, how can we better help and support the funding of things? And I know the majority being, as you say, federal and uh, state funding, but that's the end game essentially starts with us as community and how and what do we want and how can we pool our resources and then you know pull those strings and help pull those strings for you so that's all I have to say on that and uh, just ask you to not let anything go unnoticed and untended and but you guys showing us how to do the maintenance how to do that and I would like through osmosis us members of the community to also be able to Better do how and budget and plan and you know maintain what we've got and need to maintain because it harkens back to you know keeping that roof over our head and keeping um, the rats from eating it from the inside out so to speak. Anyway, thank you very much, everybody. Have a good night.
3: That concludes public speakers for this item.
2: Thank you, and we will close the public hearing. Um, commissioners, there's, would you like to do any? uh, deliberation before we start moving through the resolutions? Mr. McCarty?
4: Um, I, I will have some comments prior to our delay, the remaining projects resolution. Uh, perhaps I can hold off on those until we've gone through the others.
2: That's probably appropriate. You mean resolution number six?
8: Yes. Yes. Yes.
2: Commissioner Abbey?
15: I, I just have one very quick question. Commissioner Comden brought up the $18 million for repair of wain Golf Course. So we're being asked not necessarily to approve that project. We're being asked to say, is, is it in conformance with the CIP that's being proposed? Is that correct? Did I say that right? General, General plan, sorry. Thank you for, yes. Yes, you're basically
1: saying that the golf course uh, whatever cip is being proposed there is in conformance with the general plan
15: okay and that was under the section of uh, parks and recreation yes okay so w- the fact that it's a parks and recreation item we can say it's in conformance with that we're not saying we <laughs> anything more than that right right Okay, very good, thank it's, you.
1: It's a very loose linkage between the project and the policies, goals, and actions in the general plan. There's no direct uh, connection of those.
15: Okay, is, is that uh, project funded?
1: Partially, I think it's partially funded. Yeah,
15: I don't, I don't think it's, no.
1: Yeah, not the 18 million.
15: Okay, thank you.
2: Anything further? Okay, so we will begin with the first resolution, and I believe Commissioners Busa and Farley have a conflict, so you guys are welcome to mosey on out. Commissioners, do you have any deliberation on resolution number one, or would anyone like to propose a motion?
15: Um, what, is the, what is the project? I see the project number on the agenda, oh. but what project are we it, talking it's
1: about? It's the Santa Paula Branch Line Rails with Trails Project. Oh, I would move approval of that. I'll
15: second.
2: Great. Um, Mr. Clerk, can we take the roll?
3: Okay. For approval of the first uh, resolution? Correct. Commissioner Farley abstains. Commissioner McCarty? Yes. Commissioner Abbey? Yes. Commissioner Zucker? Yes. Uh, Commissioner Comden? Yes. Vice Chair Busa uh, abstains due to conflict of interest. And Chair Lockerquist? Uh, yes. That passes. <laughs>
2: Right. Uh. All right, we'll move on to resolution number two. Could you identify what that resolution is, please?
1: Uh, project number 91139, it's the Cabrillo Village Multi Use Path.
15: All motion to approve. I will second that.
2: Mr. Clerk, can we take roll on this resolution?
15: Mo-
3: motion and a second on the second resolution. Uh, Commissioner Farley uh, abstains due to a conflict of interest. Commissioner McCarty? Yes. Commissioner Abbey? Yes. Commissioner Zucker? Yes. Commissioner Comden? Yes. Vice Chair Busa? Yes. Chair Lockerquist? Yes. The motion passes.
2: Okay, Commissioner Zucker, it is your turn. <laughs> All right, moving forward with resolution number three, could you please identify that? Uh,
1: project number 96922, the transfer station, seaside land acquisition. Uh, project number 96973, it's the sewer line repair replacement on the west side.
2: Can I, can I ask why those two were put together at, on one resolution?
1: Because I think both those showed up as uh, conflict for uh, Commissioner Zucker. Oh, okay.
2: Got it. Makes sense. Okay, do I have any deliberation or a motion?
6: I move to approve. I second.
2: Mr. Clerk, can we take the roll? Hmm. On resolution number three.
3: Commissioner Farley? Yes. Commissioner McCarty? Yes. Commissioner Abbey? Yes. Uh, Commissioner Zucker? abstains due to conflict of interest. Commissioner Comden? Yes. Vice Chair Busa? Yes. Chair Lockerquist? Yes. Motion passes. All
2: right. <laughs> All right, moving forward with resolution number four. Go ahead, if you could identify that.
1: Project number 95130, Loma Mr. T- storm Drain Repair, two lane to Barlo Barranca. All right,
2: thank you. Any questions or motion?
9: Move to approve.
1: <coughs> i second.
2: Oh, great. Mr. Clerk, can we take the roll on that? It's to approve.
3: Chair, could I have clarification on the second for that motion? <laughs> okay. Commissioner Farley? Yes. Commissioner McCarty? Yes. Commissioner Abbey? Yes. Commissioner Zucker? Yes. Mr. Comden abstains due to a conflict of interest. Vice Chair Busa? Yes. Chair Lagerquist? Yes. Motion passes.
2: Yeah, I was like, you're not supposed to be able to listen. Okay, moving on with resolution number five.
1: Project number 96971, sewer line replacement, Pierpont uh, enforcement.
2: is there are any question or deliberation on this resolution and or a motion?
6: I move to approve.
9: A second.
2: All right, Mr. Clerk, can we take the roll on Resolution Number
3: 5? a motion a second. Commissioner Farley? Yes. Commissioner McCarty is, abstains due to conflict of interest. Uh, Commissioner Abbey? Yes. Commissioner Zucker? Yes. Commissioner Comden? Yes. Vice Chair Busa? Yes. Chair Lagerquist? Yes. Motion passes.
2: Do we not have a conflict on the last one? I thought there was one.
1: No, none.
2: No, okay, great. All right, moving on with resolution number six.
1: It's all the remaining projects other than those previously voted on.
2: I believe Commissioner McCarty had some comments on this one.
4: Yeah, so two of the projects, 91103, 91163, they're both street resurfacing. One of them is Victoria Avenue, Olivas to Valentine. The other one is Victoria Avenue, Ralston to Valentine. So it's essentially resurfacing from on Victoria from Ralston to Olivas. Um, it's split up into two different projects. Um, I have a couple of issues. Issue number one, in the resolution, these projects are described as conforming to the 2005 general plan Policy 4A, which is ensure that the transportation system is safe and easily accessible to all travelers. However, the descriptions of these projects in the CIP are silent on what improvements will be made to ensure the safety of cyclists along these stretches of Victoria Avenue. From experience, Victoria Avenue is, in my opinion, the most dangerous roadway for cyclists in the entire city. Without the addition of explicit improvements for cyclists as part of these projects, uh, I have a hard time agreeing with the finding of conformance uh, with Policy 4A of the 2005 General Plan, which is ensuring the uh, safe, safe, safely accessible to all travelers. As a cyclist, and I think other cyclists would consider themselves travelers. Issue number two. Um, Although the statement of conformance resolution cites policy 4A of the 2005 general plan, it is silent on policy 4B of the plan, which is, quote, help reduce dependence on the automobile, end quote. So specifically, these projects in my reading do not conform to action items 4.16 and 4.23 of the general plan. Action item 4.16 reads, in part, Install roadway and alternative transportation improvements along existing corridors, including primary bike and transit routes. Action item 4.23 reads, upgrade and add bicycle lanes when conducting roadway maintenance as feasible. So from the description of these projects in the CIP, I can't fully discern conformance with these last two uh, action items. Improvements uh, along primary bike routes and upgrading and adding bicycle lanes when conducting roadway maintenance. So maybe you could comment on my observations.
16: That's a tough section to get bike lanes in, but I understand what you're. I understand where you're coming from. We literally we do every paving project that we do that comes up. We we take a hard look at that, just like we're looking at Telegraph. Um, any project that we can put a bike lane in, we can. Victoria <clears throat> between Ralston and uh, the 101, uh, I guess to probably to Valentine. There's just not a lot of space, a lot of traffic. Um, I'd, in those areas, I'd probably be looking at more alternative, you know, routes as far as bike paths. There's the one that goes behind Green Thumb that ties into Walker, um, goes all the way up to Ralston, and then actually goes all the way. Up you know, to the 126 bike path. So trying to, you know, enhance those connections. Um, You know, we just put a better crossing at Ralston across there. Um, Walker, we just improved that bike path with the Montalvo project, actually put some landscaping, um, did some things there. Um, You know, we're in the midst of updating our our traffic signal system right now, which will have some better um, options for bicyclists and pedestrians Um, as a part of that the project we do, we will be upgrading ramps. That's mandatory that we do that. Um, We also look at accessible pedestrian signals, those types of things, um, which we'd be looking at in that project. Bike lanes without taking a lane away, um, it's going to be a tough sell there.
1: Several years ago as part of the Victoria Corridor Code, we had looked at uh, the option of taking one lane in each direction to do some of these improvements, but that didn't have political support, um, and a lot of opposition from the members of the public. And so we had to drop those plans. So there is no safe bicycle facility that can be built on Victoria Avenue. So you have to do something else other than that. And that would be to basically improve the alternate paths of travel that are parallel to Victoria Avenue. Okay, Um,
4: It's the answer I expected. Disappointing, kind of in the too hard, and we don't have the willpower within the community to do it.
16: I will say when we did telephone, uh, when we repaved telephone between Victoria and Kimball, that was one where it was a six-lane roadway. And we took that opportunity because I looked, We looked at the traffic volumes. We did some analysis there, and it could—it it was fine with four lanes. We moved forward with that where it was appropriate and feasible, um, and even you know, delaying vehicles a little bit there. Um, Victoria is a different animal. It's right. You know, yeah. When we did the ATP Active Transportation Plan, um, our focus group, Victoria is one of the streets that was called out as you know very difficult to eliminate yeah. a lane. and politically tough to do as chandra was just mentioning but i I wholeheartedly agree with you that's one of our mantras here is to improve bicycles as you can see with a lot of our projects i understand if there was a will or if there was a way to do it we would be doing it okay
1: again the conformance review is a very indirect linkage between the projects and some of the policies and actions you won't find very specific policies that will be tied to individual projects. Right. So it's okay. a least loose, loose linkage. We are trying to include more uh, policies and goals and actions in the updated general plan that will give us much more fe- flexibility to be more specific in terms of what sort of improvements are tied and triggered by those uh, policies and actions. Okay.
4: I'll I'll go home tonight and swallow my feelings that my belief is still that these projects don't don't comply with either the letter or the spirit of the general plan. But who am I to hold up? I'm not going to die on this hill. Thank you. Thank you.
2: Are there any further comments on resolution number six? Is there a motion? Yes. (laughs)
9: I move to approve.
6: I second.
2: Mr. Clerk, we take the roll call on resolution number six, please.
3: Commissioner Farley? Yes. Commissioner McCarty? Yes. Commissioner Abbey? Yes. Commissioner Zucker? Yes. Mr. Comden? Yes. Vice Chair Busa? Yes. Chair Lockquist? Yes. Motion passes.
2: Okay, that concludes our the capital improvement plan item. Appreciate both your time very much. And that is concludes all of our uh, formal items for the evening. Does staff have any communication for tonight?
5: I do. Thank you so much, and thank you, gentlemen. That was really fantastic. Um, and thank you to all of the staff that presented tonight. Um, we did have a request from Planning Commissioner to attend a League of California Cities Planning Commissioner training. Um, I was coming here to tell you that we can offer that training to all of you. But unfortunately, the training is now full. That being said, there is a wait list. Um, and if so anyone is interested in putting themselves on the wait list, again, I sincerely apologize for the delay in my response. But effectively we were looking for funding to to, to open it up to all of you and not just a small segment of the group. Um, so if you want to put yourselves on the wait list, let me know. Put yourself on the wait list. And we do have funding available to pay for the training and accommodations, as well as travel to Long Beach, where the um, where the event is being held. That being said, there is a wait list, so it's unlikely that anyone would be able to attend that training. Um, in the future, our plan is to continue to budget to allow for as many planning commissioners that would like to attend that specific training. Um, so keep in mind for next year, and we'll, we'll get that to you way further in advance. That being said, the training is, Phenomenal. I appreciate you bringing that to my attention. I love the league's training for planning commissioners. I think it's phenomenal, Um, and in reality, we we do want to give you that training. So what we will do um, in the coming months is bring legal and other people in to do some of that training. Will we be able to cover three days worth of the training? Unfortunately not. Um, But if there are specific topics that you would like to see in training, by all means, please contact me. We also have some training for staff coming up related to planning. And I'd like to offer that to planning commissioners as well. We do, I do want to make sure that we don't have any Brown Act issues though. So I will send a follow up email to this talking about when the training is. I'll confirm with legal, Um, because it's training, I believe it's exempt from that, but I just want to make sure. Um, And what we can also do is have some of those training topics come straight to the planning commission and have them here for you in public. So that not only you can enjoy the training, but those of um, members of the community can come in for the training as well as watch at home. So look out for follow-ups on that. Um, Otherwise, thank you so much for your participation and and, um, really deep thought on these issues. I know they're complex and um, difficult to have conversations about, so I really appreciate. Clearly, all of you have spent a lot of time thinking about these things, and I know that it takes a lot of time, so thank you. And um, once again, I will punt and say that our uh, zone text amendments that I brought to you in November will be coming soon. We're working with legal to continue to review those and make sure they're in great shape for you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Anybody else have any communication they want to share?
7: No?
2: Well, I I want to echo um, my gratitude for everybody's input. This commission is very good at that and we seem to come to good decisions. Hopefully, so appreciate everybody's time tonight. And with that, I will adjourn the meeting. Great.